Colombo gathers. And Colombo shoots and scores a screamer. Just five minutes after missing a penalty, Lorenzo Colombo opens his account in Serie A. Hello and welcome back to Serie A Spotlight Season 2, Episode 6. We're your hosts, Jake and Matt. Back to take a look at Italy's finest 20 clubs and how they have looked in the first five opening games of the season. We covered match day two in our last episode, but that was three games ago as 30 matches took place between the 26th of August and the 5th of September. It's been jam-packed. With regards to our goal of the week, we chose Colombo's snapshot against Napoli from Insane. a distance. There was absolutely no run-up for that one. That was the uncontested goal of the round for us. Goal of the last three rounds, actually. Probably. Bro. Yeah. Um, other honourable men- mentions to Coop Miners, Giroud, Matsoki, Barella, Leao. There were quite a few amazing goals, bro. 100%. But I think Colombo is the goal of the season so far. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. It must be. must be. So don't forget, guys, to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. We'll have some cool content coming out over there. And rate us five stars wherever you're listening and reach out to us. You'll be seeing us doing this new segment, not new segment, but new thing this week, whereby we got people who specialize in certain football clubs like Empoli and Sassuolo. They sent us voice notes about their takes on their season so far, and we'll be sharing them on the podcast, reacting to what they had to say and discussing together. Yeah, some amazing takes over there. We encourage you to do the same, guys. Reach out, send your voice notes. Say a spotlight slips, more like Say a sewage slops, bro. We've lost four in a row. We're down to eight euro and 24 cents from our original 20 euros. And um, hopefully we'll be bouncing back. That is my dog bully drinking in the background. It's, it's currently half past one in the morning and he's drinking. Bro. He's 15 years old, which basically means he's an old man and he's definitely going to piss he himself. He's not tonight. 15. He's like 15, no? Like, uh, around 12, I guess. No, I think he's older than 12. We got him in 2009 when we got back from Manchester. Uh, no, he's like, with the numbers. 13. 13, dude. He's going to be 13 this December. He's an old man, that's what he is. He's a very old man. But now that he's done, we can move on, shall mm. we? <laughs> it's, it's difficult when it comes to predictions this time around. I mean, it's always, betting is always difficult, but normally we have much better success. So Serie A really is unpredictable this time around. It really is. Um, it, it's quite demoralizing. <laughs> Every week something crazy happens. I'm like, okay, I don't trust Roma to beat Udinese, but I trust them enough to not lose, lose 4 nil. Like, what's going on? <laughs> it's just like a bed that you can't talk about. You know, it's public. It's, it's there so on Instagram. It's just stupid. It's so know. annoying. Yeah. We, we put our, we put our, what do you call it on the line quite often. Um, our pride, our, our dignity. Our dignity. Yes. Our dignity. dignity yeah. we, we give people a lot of reason to talk shit. Yes, there's so. a lot of fuel. They could make one of those. Compilations very easily with us. But speaking of the moments, we promised you guys that we'd put our 20 goalkeepers in the league from best to worst and rank them this um this episode we've done just that we haven't taken a look at each other's lists yet um should we do it you read yours then i read mine or should we say number one and we say it together number two we say it together 
Uh, no, I think you should read yours and I read mine, man. Yeah, let's just do that. Go uh, for it. Shall I start? Yes. Okay, so first of all, it has to be said that this was a very, very, very difficult <laughs> task. Very difficult. Okay. Um, the best keeper in the league, in my opinion, is Manian, and that was the easiest one. Mm. Okay. The top and the bottom were the easiest ones for me. Because okay. I know who I trust most in goal, that's Manian. I know mm-hmm. who I trust least. Okay. And that's obvious, I think, personally. Wait, your list. So it's Manian at the top. Uh-huh. Second, controversial, Chesney. Okay. Okay. I went Chesney. I like the way he commands the area. I like the way that he um, deals with penalties and the way he intimidates his opponent. Second for me. Mm-hmm. Musso, next. Okay. Followed by Rui Patricio, Silvestri, and then Skorupski. Okay. Followed by Meret. Followed by Provedel, Handanovic, Montepo. At this point, this was, I didn't know what to do with Handanovic, man. Every time I'm like, really, am I just going to keep lowering? Right? <laughs> not, there's no way Montepo starts ahead of me. I like Montepo, but to be honest with you, um, you take the veteran, right? In that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gollini after Montepo, just because I don't rate him that okay. much. Consili, because he's dipped a bit. Audero, who's been quite impressive. Vanya, mm-hmm. Vicario, Dragovski, Sepe, Di Gregorio, Falcone, and Rod. That's my top 20. Yes. I, bro. What? We're disagreeing on one big time Rado. over there. No, 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 Falcone. no, no. Yes, bro. I like Falcone. We're going we're gonna to disagree but big time on that one. Sure, no problem. Big time. Let's do it. So I have number one. Manian, he's been the best keeper in the league for the past two seasons, and I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Second, Skorupski. Last season, he showed <laughs> that he's in that top five. This season, he's maintained just that. He's had the best saves of the season so far, and he's remained consistent after his slow start last season. He's really picked up after that, and he hasn't Form-wise, Skorupski's top, and he's been fucking good for a while. Yeah. Honest. He made it quite high up on my list, too, but not second. But Number sure. three, Rui Patrish. Rui Patricio. Yeah. I think he has the perfect combination of experience, and then, you know, just agility, form, yes. and everything it takes to be a good shot stopper and a good goalkeeper at once. I think he's one of the most complete goalkeepers in the league. He just needs to stop snorting Ritalin before Udinese. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. In fourth, I have Musso. Okay. Shortly followed by Falcone. Okay, wow, we put him really high up. <laughs> yep. Followed by Szczesny, Handanovic. Consigli, Silvestri, Montepo, Meret, Vicario, Provedel, Audero, Dragovski, Gollini, Vanya, Radu, Sepe, Di Gregorio. Wow. Okay. Reactions, thoughts. So I think Skorovsky is too high up in yours. You really think so, bro? Uh, I think, yeah, I of think course, I think so. I genuinely think he's the second best goalkeeper but, in the league. Like, if you had to build an 11, you know, a, a proper football team, mm. you're going to take Skorupski over Chesney as your keeper? Yes. Or over Musso? Mm-hmm. Why? What, what is it about him that you really like? I think he's, when, when it comes to being a shot stopper, mm-hmm. he beats most. Yes, shot stopping okay. as a man between the sticks. But he's got the odd error in him. Don't look at him like the, the first opening five games. Like last season as well, he had a few blunders in him as well. Chesney, as well. It's true. You're right. You're absolutely right. I this would is... take Skorupski over there, man. Hmm. 
I would take Skorupski in, in second. I get I get what you mean because like Patricio ha, has a wild history of being a great goalkeeper yes. in the Premier League for Portugal. And then Musso has been doing it for Udinese. He's been doing it for Atalanta. But I think Skorupski is something special. I think he's fantastic, man. Yeah, he's, he's a great goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I'm a bit hesitant to pick lower tier goalkeepers over the top teams because... They can easily look good because they face many shots, you know what I mean? So mm. it's easier for them to pull off saves. Mm. Granted that, you know, it's also easier for them to get humiliated. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's that's my point. I thought Vicario was quite low on your list as well. Honestly, bro, um, I just think that the goalkeeping quality in, in Italy is so, so high. high. Like you look at, for example, class. Di Gregorio. In my opinion, he's great. He's, he's benching Cranio. He's fucking like. good. Like he's not the worst keeper in the in the league <laughs> at all. Like um, Radu's worse. <laughs> well, but then Radu like, is a good shot stopper, for example. But how mm-hmm. can you trust that guy anywhere near your net? No, like? no. Like and and to be honest, it was I was either putting him last or exactly where I put him, which is third before the last. Um, reason being, he has some spectacular performances, man. Yes, yes, he has some really good matches. Like I think about ten saves in a the game. First, like. The first five matches of the season, he's been great in them. That one blunder, it's true. but that one blunder is all it takes, man. It's true. Did you know I just Google Skorupski's age, by the way, to go to get back to him? Did you know that he's thirty-one years old? Okay, I thought he was a little bit younger. I thought he was like bit. twenty-eight. Or Li- something. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. A little bit younger okay. than that. Interesting. But yeah, that's our that's top 20. Let us know how you think we, we performed. It's a tough task, so go easy on us. Basically, what we're going to do in this match day, guys, since obviously we, we couldn't possibly record three episodes over the course of, what, five days, six days? Honestly, the, between the 26th of August and the 5th of September, there were 30 matches. So we thought 30 say uh, matches. Uh, we, we would rather give you one piece of content that is totally up to date and isn't completely irrelevant after two yeah, days after two full days yeah and, and completely and rushed have to miss other games in order to record it exactly yeah. so we're considering this as like a, a landmark in the Serie A season in Serie A 2022-2023 five match days in we're going to be going through the league table we're going to be going through each team from top to bottom and how they've performed in their last five matches where we think they are right now and yeah, where we kind of see them going and our and our thoughts on the team. So the way it's going to work, I think maybe you could start with Atalanta, dude, sure. first. Let's do that. Atalanta currently sit in first with 13 points. They have won four out of their five games and drawn one. They won the first match against Sampdoria quite convincingly with a 2-0 victory away from home. The next game came against Milan at home, which they drew 1-1. The next game after that was against Verona away at Tough Affair, and that was Coop Miners, who won them the game 1-0, his first goal of the season. Then he went on to score another three goals <laughs> against Torino and a 3-1 victory, first hat-trick for him in Serie A. And their most recent game was a 2-0 away victory to Monza. Goals by Hoyland and the known goal by Santos. Um, Atalanta, bro. So for me, they have looked pretty good overall. They, mm. they do dominate their opponents. Like, for example, they did dominate Torino. They dominated Monza. They dominated Sampdoria. They dominate the sides that are worse than them, as yeah. they always have. But I do notice one difference about Atalanta compared to last season and the previous editions of Atalanta Mm. that we have had over the years. Um, They can actually change their approach to games nowadays. Like, Mm. just as we saw, for example, against Milan. 
Yeah, exactly. Where they sat a yeah. bit more defensive they with a lower line. Exactly. They know how to win one nil. They know how to win two nil. They know how yeah. to force a draw. You know, they don't always attack, attack, attack anymore. They mm-hmm. look different. They look more defensively stable. They look quite efficient nowadays. Do you think that them being first is just a first five kind of matches thing? Or do you think that they can hang around the top four, potentially even, you know, go all the way? Who knows? No, I, I don't think that they have what it takes. Now, what I can judge of is obviously the first five matches of the season and how they did last season, where they finished mm-hmm. eight and it was incredibly disappointing, um, especially in the second half of the season. Um, so we're not, it's not something new that Atalanta performed very well at the start of the campaign. Have we ever seen them dismantle Torino that way? So convincingly, three goals to one? Probably not. Uh, um, they beat them 7-1. When? <laughs> two seasons ago when it oh, scored from half page. <laughs> two, two seasons ago when Torino were fucking fighting relegation. Like, come on, this is a brand new Torino. Um, so have we ever seen Atalanta get a convincing victory like that in the past two seasons against a side like Torino? No, not, not, in, the, not in the past two seasons. So they, they clearly took a step up. And like you said, they can take a different approach to games. It's not always the same system in different matches. They look really good. They look like a team that wants top four. They look like a team that's going to fight for top four. And they look like a team that could very much get top four. Could they go all the way? No, not yet. I still think that there are some pieces in the team that are either due replacements or could simply be working more efficiently. Like the whole having Zapata and Muriel as your top two strikers is a little bit outdated now. That that would get me excited two seasons yeah. ago, perhaps not this season, not for a top four challenging team. So they still have some, some key pieces to work on and they definitely don't look as dangerous as other sides going forward. But they're a bogey team, man, and, and Atalanta make it tricky. And with their yeah. brand new approaches, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think Gasperini is finally accepting that um, maybe they've let go of too much. Um, they've let go of too much from that 3-5-2 attack, 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 3-4-3, mm. you know, attack, attack, mm-hmm. attack team. Like they no longer have Freuler, you know, who was who was the heart and soul of that team. Yeah. Um, they've lost so many centre-backs over the years. Like every single centre-back was a breakout season with Atalanta leaves, basically. Yeah. You know, um, they've lost so many important players and they're now merging into this team that knows how to close off games and can, you know, force its opposition into problems. But I still think they'll struggle to get top four. Okay. Yeah, very tight. I mean, like we said, just the first five matches of the season, but it it, it does show that they've improved from from last year so far. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I do agree. Do you have a prediction for, for where you see them finishing? Do you have any hot takes, predictions? Um, or just outside the top four? I see them outside the top four. I haven't prepared my table. Um, but no, I don't see them. I'm, I think they're better than Fiorentina nowadays. Mm. They look more street smart than, than Fiorentina. Mm. Uh, maybe a Conference League spot for Atalanta. Ooh, Conference League, yes, not even, Conference League, not not even, even Europa, Europa League. League. Conference okay. League, I think. Okay. I think their goal of the bat is, is that top four spot initially, and they'll find themselves in, in first place. Okay, it's only five matches in, but 
four wins and one draw, and they haven't had the easiest of fixtures either. Okay, they haven't had the hardest fixtures either, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a convincing place to be. And it'll be interesting to see how they perform. They've got Cremonese coming up, which is which should be pretty straightforward, in inverted commas, because all the three teams that, that came up, with the exception of Monza, have looked quite threatening. Um, and then they've got Roma away from home. And then they've got Atalanta at home. So, sorry, Fiorentina at home. Mm. So those are going to be quite creamy, creamy fixtures, I think. <laughs> creamy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's yeah. a better word to use there. They're definitely going to be creamy. Keep an <laughs> eye on Hoyland, their new striker. Um, just came out of nowhere, 19 years old. He just came in and scored, as they always do for this Atalanta side. Um, other than that, you know, Coop Miners has looked fantastic, uh, even better than last season. He had mm. a very good season last season for his first year in Italy, and now he looks better mm. than ever, to be honest. You, you see him slotting in in that three at the back. You see him slotting in as a holding yeah. midfielder, as an attacking midfielder, as a winger, as a secondary striker. So excited. And also, Lookman has looked very interesting. He comes on and he just scares the shit out of me, Lookman, yeah. man. He's fucking quick. He's quick and he's strong. They have so many of those XXX tentacion looking, you know, <laughs> motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Name another one, Boga, maybe. Um, Soppy, Brandon Soppy. <laughs> um, Duvan Zapata, you know, there's um, this guy, what's his name? Lookman. You know, at the point, there was a corner and they were all next to each other. I'm like, look at that, they all have the same flow. <laughs> Brilliant, that's Atalanta for you, the up and coming boy band featuring XXX Tentacion and Duvan Zapata. Um, should we move on maybe to the team that sit in second now? Sure, let's do it. Brilliant. So in second, it's Napoli. Uh, level on points with Milan, but they, they actually have a better goal difference. Classic, classic Napoli. They're on 11 points, so just two points behind Atalanta. So they won their first match of the season, which was a 5-2 victory over Verona. They then followed up after that and beat Monza four goals to nil. Um, so those were two opening matches that were quite, you know, on the easier side for them. Verona aren't quite the side that they were last year. And Monza have looked dreadful, probably the worst team in the league so far. Yeah. Um, and then after those two opening easy matches, they drew to Fiorentina, nil-nil in Florence. And then after that, they drew to Lecce 1-1, thanks to goals by Elmas and a screamer by Colombo that we covered in the intro. And you could even say that Napoli might have been a bit lucky over there with the retake of the penalty in place with Colombo missing the retake but scoring the screamer shortly after. Bro, but will Napoli bounce back? Will Napoli bounce back? Yes is the answer, because Lazio did open the scoring against Napoli in the next match through Zaccani, but goals by Minje and Gvaracelia. That was a nice pronunciation, huh? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that even sure how guy. it's meant to be pronounced anymore nowadays. To be they honest, managed to get... Many. Sorry. No, 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 honestly, <laughs> I, I've heard so many different versions of it, I've forgotten the origin. It's either Gvaracelia or Gvaracelia. But I feel like Varacelia is the lazy version because you just get all those consonants yeah. next to each other and you say, okay, it's... Uh, so you need to kind of hit the tsk in mm, the middle. The Gvaracelia. Okay, okay, that sounds good. Gvara. Yeah. <laughs> Gvara has looked insane and Napoli have looked, you know, the most high-pressure yeah. team in Serie A, the quickest team with the most fluid transitions. And subsequently, that has led them to last night 
Well, at least when this podcast is aired last night, they beat Liverpool four goals to one yes. in Naples. They tore so, them apart. So they're not fucking around, man, Napoli this year. They're not fucking and around. For one flatters Liverpool. Literally. Like it should have been more. There was a missed penalty by, by Ozyman. Um, ball cleared off the line by Virgil van Dijk after um, a pass by Ozyman took Varag. Varag had an open goal and, and van Dijk cleared it off the line. Um, what has stood out for you? I, I think I know where this is going, but what has stood out the most for you for Napoli? So their ability to lose star players Mm. And remain a solid unit is the the thing that stood out to me the most. Mm. Like, for example, the fact that Kim has stepped up and proven to be quite a massive, massive character mm-hmm. for Napoli already. Like the loss of Koulibaly is already difficult. Massive, eh? massive. massive. This guy comes in, boom, instantly um, makes you kind of forget, you know. Same thing with Guevara, Scalia, whatever. Mm-hmm. He came in for Insignia, like, who the fuck is Insignia, you know? <laughs> like, who's Insignia? This guy is doing 360s and smacking it from out of the box and hitting the post. Like, Isn't he like, I, I mean, I've, I've seen him play, what, six matches now? I had never seen him play before that. And I can, I can pretty much conclude. I mean, the guy is among the best players in the world. Guevara. <laughs> He's fucking. I mean, he's unbelievable. He bro. he was signed. Let me tell you, he was signed for ten minutes. He has a fake passport. Yeah. He's twenty nine years old and has been playing for his entire life. Like Napoli have struggled. Yes, mm. he's. There is no way. Like he, they're going to make such a massive profit off him eventually. I can't even imagine him staying for more than three seasons. The amount of media attention he's getting already since the Liverpool mm. game, especially. You know, people are making memes of him walking Trent Alexander-Arnold. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, rightly so, man. Who a year ago was touted to be the best fullback in mm. world football over right? Cafu. So, <laughs> so I bet right now De Laurentiis is licking his lips, <laughs> frothing at the bit. You know, no, he's, he's he has so many different ways to beat his man. Yeah, so many different ways. Like he knocks the ball around one end and goes around the other end. Stepovers, 360s, quick turn of pace. He can cut in and shoot. He can stay wide and tramp the ball into the middle. He's so versatile in that in that left wing role and and, and so refreshing because their time under Insigne, it, it was almost predictable every single thing Insigne was going to do because he wants to cut in onto his favorite right foot and play in an early cross or, or mm. play in a, an audacious attempt. With Gvara, it's different. With Gvara, it's like, oh, what the fuck is he going to do yes. now? Bro, I would stand up whenever he got the ball. Like The only so predictable exciting. thing about it is, is danger. Exactly. It's like sharing well a cell with a with a murderer, you know, mm-hmm. or a psychopath. Like, you know something's going to happen, you're just not sure what. Like, and, exactly. But you know it's going to be bad. You know, <laughs> you know it's going to be bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's insane. He's insane. He, he might as well be a be a mass murderer. To be yeah. fair, like I am petrified of the man. There is also um, the the midfield maestro that is Stanislav Lobotka, who's been fucking amazing. You've been like, Andres Iniesta, um, bro. Iniesta, bro. Honestly, he's looked so good. Um, his ability to take people on in those tight spaces to just move the ball around and keep the momentum of the game flowing. He's the metronome. He's really good. He, um, him yeah. and the two people around him, bro. Uh, Zambo Anguissa. Zambo Anguissa has been incredible this season, particularly in the past three matches. He's been really, really good. And against Liverpool, the commentators couldn't stop talking about him. Yeah. Now, this was a man who was at Fulham and would barely get playing time at mm-hmm. Fulham. Goes to Napoli and the man, the man can do it all. 
Well, leaves if you want. I just think it's like the the second you find yourself in an environment that's so unbelievably passionate. Mm. Spalletti it brings is the, the man. best out of you. Spalletti is the guy in charge, you know, a guy who obviously stadium is right next to fucking Pompeii, like. <laughs> Napoli fans losing their shit over you. And nah, you man. know that if you have a good season, you're gonna have framed pictures of yourself with candles underneath it for a while. You're like, blessed. You know, you're you, blessed. Yeah, that's it. Unless you have a terrible drug habit, you lift till you're 90 <laughs> if you play for Napoli. I strongly yeah. believe that. Um, Zielinski as well has just been, I mean, this, this guy. I feel like I always wait for him to dip, but but that dip never really comes, man. Mm-hmm. He's so consistently good, and then he just has brilliance to him. Like every five games, he just comes up with a masterclass. Um, he is underrated when it comes to the conversation of the best midfielders in the league, Zielinski. Zielinski, uh, mm-hmm. he has to do it for a whole season, just as you said. Um, you said you're waiting for the dip. There's a reason you're waiting for the dip. It's because man always dips. You know, Fair um, he was always been kind of like Chalanoglu was with Milan. You know, he'll have like a good two months, a good month, a mm. very good month, and then he'll stay quiet, and everyone kind of excuses him because they know what he's capable of. Mm. Zielinski needs continuity. He needs longevity yeah. to him. I, I think if he has a good season, it'll really help his confidence as well. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So we both said that you know in the before the first match of the season, we both had Napoli outside the top four. Mm-hmm. Has your opinion changed? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, well, well to, be, to be fair, this is the one I'm covering, so I should probably answer first because I'd put you worry, on the spot worry, twice in a row. Well, on, on the site I'm on, it says um, Napoli's nickname is Il Chucciarelli, which means the little donkeys. I, I, I did not know that was their nickname. But anyway, um, do I think that Napoli will finish outside of the top four, as my original prediction suggested? Look, I... Oh my God, Yeah, you, you, you thought long and hard about this. I thought it was a straight no, answer. No, 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 it's not a straight answer, because at the end of the day, it's... Look, I don't think Inter are going to dip as hard as people are saying they're going to dip. Like Inter are in the top four, guaranteed, right? Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, so Agreed. Milan are in the top four, guaranteed. Okay, well, relax. Like, uh, yes, but touch sure. wood for touch the wood, love of yes. God. Look okay. at the kit you're wearing. That leaves Juve, who I find it difficult to believe that they won't finish mm. outside the top four with the squad they, they have. Pick, Allegri, pick, you know, pick they, it up. Come on, let's pick it up. Exactly, they'll pick it up. So that leaves literally Roma or Napoli. And between the two, it, it, I find it really difficult to pick, man. I, I think eventually I'm going to have to back Mourinho over Spalletti. I'm going to have to say that Roma are going to be street smart. They're going to nail it. They're going to just win 1-0, 2-1. Just 1-0s and 2-1s all the way to the finish line, like boom, fourth place. There is, there, there is no parallel universe this season where Napoli don't get top four. So you think over Roma? Either over Roma or over Juve. It could be the season where Juve don't get top four. It could be it. That, bro. It could be it. Um, it totally could be it, but that would be a disaster for them, especially financially. I mean, yes, and, and I can't remember the last time it fucking happened to Juve, even when they were, you know, not, not up to top four standard and they still managed to find their way. 
but I don't see a reason as to why Juve finish above Roma and Napoli so far. At some point during the season, they're going to have Pogba, Chiesa, Di Maria all, all back and healthy and playing together. And, and now there's Paredes and the they would have never well. played together before. It's true, bro, but I think players of that quality, man, yeah, I don't know. The, well, Pogba. Uh, and Allegri has a knack of just getting these guys, plugging them in and getting them going, man. Hasn't that always been his thing? He found what Conte had and he just kept winning with it. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, we're arguing, this is how good Juve are, this is how good Napoli are. Mm. I think you plug in stars to Juve and, and they get, they do get better, obviously. Mm. But with what Napoli have going on, with the level of continuity that they have and the fine little key pieces that they've brought into the team, with Spalletti at mm. the helm, Gvara, Minje, Zielinski, Osimen, Politano, Lozano, all these guys, Anguissa, Lobotka. I don't see them not getting top four. I, I don't think there's a world this season the, where they don't get top four. The thing that sells it to me most for Napoli isn't it's not even the roster, man. it's not even the lineup. It's Spalletti. Yeah. Spalletti always gets top top four. Mm-hmm. Always. Like you can check it out. Check out his last manager gigs. I can't remember the last time he didn't finish in the top four. True. But then again, his, his, the competition is Allegri and Mourinho, which, by the way, beautiful. Very beautiful. beautiful. I'm very curious to see how this plays out, brother. Same here. Same here. Um, I think we could move on to the next team. The next team is Milan, who currently sit in third with 11 points. They have won three games and drawn two. Um, Finally, man. <laughs> the first game was against Udinese, a 4-2 victory for Milan. Goals by Theo Hernandez, Redic. Um, scoring twice and Brahim Diaz they then drew to Atalanta the goal by Benasser they beat Bologna 2-0 as always um, Leao and Giroud scored by the way um, Sinisa Mihailovic has just been sacked from his position at Bologna we'll talk more about that when it's time yeah. to discuss Bologna um, they drew to Sassuolo 0-0 away from home and then beat Inter Milan at home 3-2 most recently which I cannot believe it took us this long to, to mention, brother. Um, <laughs> we did get a comment from one of our listeners who said that um, we are kind of anti-Inter or the Inter-hate is real, he said. I don't feel like the Inter-hate is that real, is Inter it? Inter-hate is real. Really, we got a comment saying that. Yeah, it was. Okay. Wow, I, I always thought we, we spoke highly of Inter's quality. Yeah. Two anti-Nerazzurri, yeah, Max Camilleri. Um, oh, this, look, this is course. this is this is when we said when we were discussing look, the top two strikers, Vlaovic exactly, and Osman, because exactly. Lautaro wasn't mentioned. I mean, Chiro wasn't mentioned. Yeah, and that's way I more mean. criminal. It, it is. Lautaro. It is. And Lukaku perhaps is arguably more criminal. Uh-huh. To not no, one hundred percent not not yeah. anti-Inter. Not when it comes to talking football, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I had to speak to you on a on a personal level. I might talk a little bit of shit in a humorous way about about the club, but respect to all 20 teams within the league and I can have a, a very honest conversation about each and every team. Inter have been fantastic. They were outdone by Milan against um, in the Derby della Madonnina. What a performance that was by yeah, Milan, man. It was an amazing performance. Um, it started off well for Inter, to be honest, yeah. Brozovic um, catching Milan on the break. Um, but then Milan reacted very well and managed to score three goals on the trot between the 28th minute and the 60th minute. Leao particularly was just on fire. He was unstoppable. Leao is unplayable on his day. Yeah? He is, man. 
Like, yes. the, like people right now are going on about Guevara, 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 but Le- Leao is actually unplayable. Like, like if you put a defender against Leao, like he can't outmuscle him and he can't keep up with him. There's no way. He makes he makes everyone look rubbish. Leao, Leao makes true. everyone and, look like shit. And he does it. He makes you look like shit while he smiles. Yeah, people are saying that Skriniar has been been terrible. Yeah. No, no, he hasn't. He <laughs> hasn't. just did him. Exactly. You know, De Vries um, has been great. He made De Vries, Bastoni and Skriniar, which is arguably the best defense in, in Italy, look Individually terrible. for sure. Yes. And, and not, not even individually, because as a unit as well, you know, it, it, it's Milan and Inter when it comes to the defense. It's that back four of Milan and that back three yeah. of Inter. By the way, shout out Max Camilleri. Thanks a lot for listening, brother. Yeah. We, we, we love you, of it's course. True, I just have to bring true. up the comment to see... No, I know the, I know Max personally. He's a, he's a lovely guy. We've really, worked t- together before. Tell him, da una vida lo cantiamo. Say la merda. Milan recently have drawn to Salzburg. Um, 1-1 away from home. Their first uh, game in the Champions League, of course, from that group. Chelsea um, lost actually to Dynamo Zagreb goal by Orsic. Um, Milan so far this season, bro. I think they look better than last season, to be honest with you. I think one of the major changes that I've seen is in the level of not fluidity. I wouldn't use the word fluidity, but when it comes to controlling possession and moving the ball around and taking full command of where the game goes. Now, Milan did that against the teams that are worse than them, but I feel like this season, they still did it against Atalanta and they still did it against Inter. They're doing it against tougher opponents. Um, and I think a big part of that is having two ball-playing midfielders playing in a double pivot in Tonali and Ben Nasser. I love that combination. Yeah, so, so mobile, so fluid, it's true. And and they don't shy away from a tackle. Either of them are fucking. They 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 will break your fucking leg. You know. And this I mean? is like Adley hasn't even been incorporated into this team yet. You know what I mean? Mm. Once Adley gets going, I feel like Milan are gonna have some serious depth in that double pivot, even with Pobega available. Um, and Rade Kronich, of course, who can put in a shift. Um, not to mention the Czech artist role now. There's a CDK who looks so good. He looks- Incredible. Yeah. Um, he looks like he can be a, a very good player um, with some time in this league. Um, Brahim Diaz as well who can still put in a shift especially coming off the bench um, on the right there's still that problem with um, Salamakers yeah. or Messias but apparently Salamakers is an extremely meta player and in Europe he works <laughs> so he's <laughs> so playing save him for Europe in yeah. Italy just play Messias mm-hmm. it's a very clear I, I see why Purely would want the likes of both of those players to have both Messias and Salamakers they're different exactly it's not a direct swap it is you either bring a more defensive approach and a safer approach in Salamakers, where you have essentially a wing back. Yes. Probably. Um, output a, a little bit weak, but very strong. Yes. Going back and tracking back. Or else you literally have a, a, almost a, a right forward yes. in Messias, very offensive player. He's constantly in the corner of the box. I feel he's constantly placed over there. He's a natural finisher as well, eh, Messias? He is, man. He is. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to give him too much praise um, when it comes to his output, because still when it comes to his decision making and his output at times, it still needs a lot of work and that that has a lot to do with the fact that he is an incredibly raw talent that has made it to the top by by working hard yeah um but yeah that 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 is where i see milan still having a slight weak point is is down that right flank man i mean against sassuolo they were 
invisible both options it's true it's true um that's definitely the weak point of the team will the ketamine start playing on the right <laughs> winger <laughs> no no i don't think the ketamine will start playing on the on the right um i think he'll he'll keep playing centrally and he'll keep deploying uh, maybe dest huh? maybe dest dest was well, i'm not too sure what dest can provide um, on the right i'm not sure we've seen minutes of uh-huh, him minutes only, only. We've seen minutes. Minutes. he and looks very, very flashy uh-huh, very young still he looks very very explosive like has a lot of mm-hmm. flair to him mm-hmm. there was a lot of exploding forward and passing the ball back mm-hmm. so it shows that he's he he wants to but he's not quite obviously Confident, not used to it yes. yet but the fact that he was um called up for the champions league spot ahead of adli already is, is quite a quite a large task can you please pass me one here you go brother i'm not going to mention the company because we we don't have any sponsors you but today moretti no as in like the the brand that got us ah. the moretti um but basically today jake and i felt like having the taste of italy um, whenever <laughs> we go to italy we've been to bologna together we've been to milan together we've been to a bunch of places together we always get fucked up off Moretti. It's like drinking water and getting fucked up. Not even water, love juice is what I would call it. And we felt like it. So we looked up places in Malta that have it and that deliver it. And they got delivered to our door within 20 minutes. Ice cold. Yeah. We drank it and suddenly we're in the San Siro watching Milan Atalanta last year. Yeah. They were scoring after taking on six men. Yeah, it was, it's nice to be honest. Um, what are they? We can we can plug them and why not booze wagon booze wagon shout out to Tom yeah. and Mark shout out legends um, Origi man when Origi adapts I feel like Milan can give Giroud the rest he needs um, when Rebic comes back Milan are going to be better of course Rebic is always a good option of the bench no matter what you think of him he always brings something different um, the work rate is fantastic the Milan play a pressing game and Rebic is the type of player who presses relentlessly mm-hmm. you know so that's a that's a weapon that's kind of um, being missed right now at yeah. Milan. Rebic is a great fucking option yeah. to have off the bench. Man. What do you think, bro? An interesting point, the centre-back depth. What do you think of that? Do you think that, for example, if Kalulu or Tomori get injured, Kier and Gabia are adequate replacements? Um, Kier's been out for... So Gabia, no. I definitely don't think Gabia's an adequate replacement, especially when Milan wants to reclaim gold in Serie A and advance more in the Champions League. Gabia is not is not an option over there. Mm. Gabia is as a fourth choice, not even? No man. No, no, not really. Not really. I think he needs I to mean, be a fourth, out a to fourth, play, man. I think yeah. he needs a full season. He's not even that he's, young he's, anymore, Gabia. I remember as a midfielder. Really? Yeah, I remember as a, he was with the Primavera he was a midfielder. Uh, he's 22 years old. Um, again, he still has plenty I mean, of as time. A, as a fourth option to have a 22-year-old homegrown player isn't the worst thing in the world. But I feel like whenever he comes on, he never shows me enough. Like, it's never a smooth tackle or or commanding the defense. Or commanding defense, maybe not for a 22-year-old Primavera mm-hmm. player. Um, but he never does anything spectacular to me that, that stands out or... Yeah. Bounces off I his think partner, sometimes, right? yeah, he looks solid in certain moments, especially when called upon last season, for example, he didn't really make any mistakes, which is a good thing for mm-hmm. a 22-year-old centre-back who ne- never plays. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he would have really benefited from a from a lone move. Yeah, um, agreed. But I'm happy, you know, Milan kept their... I'm happy that Milan kept starting Kalulu. Agreed. Like, imagine Botman arrived and Kalulu was benched and Gabi was sold. You kind of, you know... Fuck that, man. Yeah. 
Reward the people who gave you glory And Kalulu gave Milan glory 100% I mean And and all that to get absolutely fucking shafted by Salzburg They were (laughs) running the man inside out The poor thing He was having a bit of a mare against against Salzburg Um, When it comes to Kier Kier is solid as fuck But he's a recovering ACL uh, he's a recovering torn ACL 35-year-old Viking. Yeah. Um, he's got the heart, he's got the soul, bless him. He's got the experience, he's got the knowledge, he's got the skill, he's got the leadership. Does he have the legs though, man, is the question. And he does look a touch slower than he did. I think he got injured when he came on last game. Really, man? Yeah. Shit. Um, but we'll see how that develops. Um, yeah, and my final question about Milan before moving on, bro, is David Calabria. People are saying that because he stormed off against Salzburg when <coughs> replaced, that he isn't fit to be captain because he made the whole fuss about it. Um, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. He was he was obviously upset about his own, own performance, you know, and he said so after the game yeah. as well. G- give me a captain that shows emotion when shit is yeah. going wrong, like. And he's. Uh, People love to shit on Calabria, but in reality, like you're getting the guy who, who's been through it all with us. Yeah, Calabria yeah. has has been through the struggle with every single Milan fan in the past seven years. He's been there the entire time, and he's always found minutes. He's always had time to play since the days of Abate. He was a fucking literally. He was there. Like, um, I think he's worthy of the captain's arm, but I think he's worthy of the starting position at Milan. Do I think that Milan can win the Champions League one day with Calabria's right back? Probably not. But that's why you bring in hot talents like Dest to compete with him. But until they actually overtake him, mm. then it's Calabria. You know, let the others prove themselves, let them develop, let them overtake him. But right now he's the guy. Because Calabria has been like grafting since we've been shit. Since yes. Milan have been shit. Exactly. He's been there, he's been the constant. Um, we were crying for him to get the captain's armband over Romagnoli. Now the second he has it and, and Romagnoli is gone and we're seeing the likes of Tonali playing well and committing his future to Milan. We're like, ah, pass it on, pass it on. And yeah. we always want to find that weakest link and we want to single a guy out. Calabria shouldn't be the man that is, yes. that is singled out. If anything, let's focus on the right wing department. Yes. I don't believe we have a problem in the right back department. And if we do, have a fantastic young man in this two-year loan option to buy will be completely fine um calabria out of the starting 11 is the only man worthy of the armband i mean no, Teo, I mean, Te- yeah. no, no, but but like for example, Teo is worthy of it. Seniority for sure. wise, T- Tonali is worthy of it uh, for sure. But like you're saying, seniority wise, for someone who's been there from fucking day yes. one. And you look at the people who had been there with him for a while. You know, you see, for example, they've not even been there for as long as he has. But Donnarumma left on a mm. free, for example. Yeah. Um, you look at I don't know, Shalanoglu was there for a while as well. Kessie was there for a while as well. Granted, all after Calabria, they all left. Romagnoli had been there with Calabria for mm. a while. Again, left on a free. Calabria has never given any problems to the club. The the three young players were Calabria, Locatelli, and Cutrone back in the day. Yes, yes. And, and, and he was the strongest one. And to he keep was, man. I think, slightly older than them as well. Could be, could yeah. be a little bit. But, um, yes. but yeah, Davide, to say the capitano, di di noi, di no? Si. So, aha, uh-huh. ti amo, brother. <laughs>
Um, keep one, one more being thing. you. Keep being you. One more thing I want to say um, about Milan and particularly the Milan against Inter game. Um, I want to speak about Daddy. I want to speak about Giroud a little bit uh, as well because we Oli didn't G. get into Oli G. I think it's safe to say that we can start referring to Oli G, referring to Olivier Giroud as Mr. Madonnino. <laughs> he never misses in the derby, bro. Brother, it, it's something different against yeah. Inter. This fucking sight, not only against Inter, because we saw, for example, against Sassuolo last year to seal the deal for Milan. It seems like when shit matters, Giroud yeah, of steps yes. the fuck up as the veteran that he is. Um, link up play against Inter, 10 out of 10. Finishing against Inter, 10 out of 10. Yeah, he's Attitude got... against Inter, 10 out of 10. Celebrations against Inter, 10, 10 out of 10. 10. Sticks his tongue well. out every time Straight he scores against the camera. Yeah. Straight, Straight to, to the, the fans. fans. Straight fans. to the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Last season, Giroud played 22 say, uh, games for Milan. Start mm-hmm. season. And he scored 11 goals and got 3 assists. So that's, that's just solid. Like, Mama. You know? And now the season, he's played three games in the league, three starts, two goals, one assist. So the guy, the guy's output is very good. He just needs someone to to help him out in that role. Um, therefore, there, there's Rebic and there's Origi. Origi. We just have to pray to God that they remain fit. You made me laugh last time, man. I came, I came downstairs and I noticed you were a bit quiet on the sofa, like you were thinking about mm. something. All of a sudden you go, a Giroud kit I'm getting, man. I think I'm in love with him. Like, <laughs> I have to get a about it. He's made me so happy, man, honestly. Like the emotions he's made me feel during the, hey, the derby, man. My God. Honestly, the second he was confirmed to me, that we're both like, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. For me, the, the options for him, I, I, it's the toughest it's ever been for me to buy a Milan kit. Mm. Like, who do you, whose kit do you buy? It's tight. For me, it's between at the moment. Yeah. Teo, Teo Hernandez, Calabria, yes. Tonali. I was going to say Giroud because you're getting a Giroud one, yeah. so I have to be unique. Yeah. And then there's Ben Nasser yeah. as well. And then there's Caludo at Tomori. Bro, there's every, every single player Le- in the bro, starting 11. Didn't even Leo. mention Leao. Leao is the obvious one. Leao is the investment. Yeah, but if you're smart, if, you, if you're wise, you get a Leao kit. But why am I going to get a Leao kit when he's leaving on a free yes. two years? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's at the back of my mind as well. <laughs> Always. Yeah. And then there's obvious... Motherfucking Auntie Rebic. Auntie Rebic, bro, as well. The number 12. Oh my God. Oh, he's sweet, but a psycho. A little bit psycho. Kurt Sultana, shout out to him. Got me a, a Croatia kit of Rebic. Oh, one of those fake 10 euro ones. Ah, legend, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the man. <laughs> but anyway, um, all the kits you can see in our snippets are original, in fact. Yes. Ah, so yes, mm. they are. Of course they are. Um, anyway, shall we move away, bro? Yes, so... Off to the little zebras, the Zebrette in Udinese. By far the biggest surprise of the season. Not a surprise because they were shit last season, because they weren't shit last season. Um, but the change of management and everything, them getting Sotil on board, and the fact that instantly they've improved so much is, is redonkadonk. Um, opening match of the season, they lose against Milan. They managed to get two past them, the classic Becao goal in the second <laughs> minute. Um, 
every season, every single time against Milan, but Milan still managed to win that. Um, next game was a nil-nil draw against Salernitana. It was made hard for them due to the new Imperial Red card in the 49th. Um, in the next game, they edged past Monza 2-1 away from home. Thanks goes by Udoji and Beto. Um, they beat Fiorentina 1-0, and this is where it started. They beat Fiorentina 1-0 in a very tough encounter at home through a goal from Beto, and then dismantled Mourinho's Roma, four goals to nil, another goal by Odoji, spectacular goal from wonder kid Samaridzic, Pereira scored as well, one of, not one of the best midfielders in the league, but a fantastic fucking midfielder, very attacking minded, mm. and a goal by Lovrich as well in the 82nd minute. What surprises me most, most about Pereira, bro, is his work rate. I think. Hey, the type of the hey. type of player he is, you wouldn't expect him to have that. Because work rate. I instantly, when I think of Pereira, I think of the the tarapts, for yeah. example, that are very skillful but are kind of lazy balls. You know yeah, what I no, mean? Who focus their energy mostly on attacking movement, but that's so mm. not the case with him, man. He's he's so industrious. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And and Udinese are a team that we've always said this. So firstly, they're incredibly physical. And what they did against Roma. So let's not take away from their fucking Barcelona tiki-taka football that they were playing. And that every single one of their players was an absolute 10 out of 10. But they are very capable of, okay, you have a better team than us. Let's make this physical. Let's make this a scrap. Yeah. They turn it into a scrap. And not only are their players big, bro, but their players can fucking perform and keep yeah. a cool head in a scrap. And that's what they do, man, Udinese. That's how they grind. That's how they get points. And there's flow to them, man. They keep that. They keep that shape nicely in that three-five-two. And honestly, bro, apart from all this as well, they have some decent depth as well. Like in the sixty-third minute against Roma, they brought on. Listen to this, okay? So they took out Isaac Success, Tolga Arslan, and Lazar Samardzic. Okay, mm -hmm. they brought on. Jean-Victor Makengo, who's a very good midfielder. That's his name, Makengo. Yes, Jean-Victor. Okay. They brought on Sandy Loveridge, who's a very exciting player, came on and scored instantly, in fact. And Beto, who <laughs> is so used to scoring in Serie A. Like, so that's a triple substitution at the one-hour mark that probably improved their team. Probably, man. You know? Um, so yeah, they, and, and they have a good manager in Andrea Sotil, who did wonders at Ascoli and is totally living up to, the, to his reputation with Udinese right now, to be honest with you. 100%. I mean, I see absolutely no reason should Udinese keep this up. Top 10 team. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. they're, they they would, would normally rank them, would normally say Bologna, Udinese and Verona are all of similar quality. Um, I'd say Verona and Udinese are better than Bologna and have been better than Bologna recently. Exactly, yeah. but Verona, um, so Bologna even more so now, kind of, they, they're, mm. they're going through a change of manager that's going to affect everything, especially with the relationship they had with, with Sinisa. Um, Verona are still a very dangerous side, particularly with, the, with that um, front two. But they have stepped down, especially after losing Tudor. And Udinese mm -hmm. have taken a, a significant leap forward. You, you can't beat Fiorentina and Roma in back-to-back -back matches, yeah. man. With five days in between, four days in between. Um, you beat Fiorentina and then Roma. Crazy, crazy stuff, this man. This is the interesting thing about teams like Udinese and Atalanta this season. They're playing once a week, you mm. know. They're playing once a week and um, they have the potential to beat... 
any opponent in front of them, to be honest, or give them a hard time at least. Yeah. Well, the Nets right now are very exciting. As you're saying, I, I totally see them as a, a 10th place side, mm. you know what I mean? Like bang mid-table, probably a bit better. Um, the thing is, can they keep this up? I really hope they can, because um, shades of when Milan won the the league in 2011, mm. I think with the they got Champions League that year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And that was nice to see. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that can repeat itself. I and mean, when Udinese are playing right now, <laughs> it won't repeat itself. But maybe confidence. No, I mean, they're not. <laughs> we were wondering between <laughs> no. Roma, Napoli, and Juve yeah, was going to get Champions go. League. It's tossing Udinese as well. Napoli, so do you Juve, think Udinese can stay in fourth, man? <laughs> <laughs> Um, they have Sassuolo coming up next, which is quite a, a quite a dirty one. Um, away against Sassuolo. I mean, it, it's like being at home against Sassuolo. Yes. So <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Then Udinese at home against Inter. So it's nice that Udinese um, basically played Fiorentina and Udinese were home. They played Roma and Udinese were home. Now they're playing Inter and Udinese are home. That is nice for the first half of the season, but for the second half of the season, that might bite them in the ass a little bit. They suddenly have all those away games against yeah. the top fucking seven teams in the league. Um, thankfully, Milan will be um, at home for them because they've already played Milan away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that game, they have Verona away, which is also a yeah. very, very tasty encounter over there, man. Um, I have a question for you. Sure. Rank the uh, not a question, uh, a demand. A command, okay. A command, yes. Rank these teams from best to worst. Okay. Udinese, Hellas, Verona, Torino, right now. Okay. So Verona are last okay. out of those. Um, it's then between um, Torino and Udinese. I I might I might. Eh, eh, eh. So. I, I would have to go with Udinese for the time being. And Torino have looked excellent, man. And Torino might have more longevity in them because this is their second full season under Juric. Mm-hmm. Um, and they lost Belotti and they lost Bremer and they stayed in a very good place. They've brought in Miranchuk, who I'm guessing will do bits for them. They lost fucking Pobega as well. Yeah. Um but due to their management and due to their play style, they might have more longevity in them than Udinese. But at the moment, Udinese are better. At the moment, if those two mm. were to play each other, I would it's just the, a little bit the more for Udinese. It makes it difficult to, to go against Udinese. What do you think? What do you think? Um, I read Juric more than I do Sotil, but that's simply because I'm... I know him better. <laughs> I've seen more of of, of Juric and I am aware of what he can do over the stretch of a season. I'm not too sure about Sotil and what he can do when the going gets tough. You know what I mean? Mm. It's his first season in Serie at the end of the day. So is it really magical? Um, I'm not sure. I would say that Torino are the best of the of these teams mm. so far. Torino, Udinese, Hellas. And it's very tight between Torino and mm. Udinese. The reason as well I might say Udinese, not I might say, I said Udinese, um, is because they have literally, bro, you look at their team and there's essentially, apart from Molina's departure last year, yeah. nothing really new, bro. Yeah. They've been the same motherfuckers like Udinese. Udinese have been the same motherfuckers. That's true. They know how to play together. They know the system. Bring in a new man. Can you motivate us? Yes, this is how we play. 
this is how it play under you. We move. Yeah, true. And they look fucking good, man. They look delicious. Agreed. Shall we move on to Roma? Go for it, King. So Roma. Roma have played five games. They've all played five games. They have, <laughs> they have 10 points. They've won three, drawn one, and lost one. Their only loss being their very recent 4 0 ro- loss to Udinese. They beat Monza 3 0 the match before, came 1 1 to Juventus away, um, beat Cremonese 1 0, and beat Salernitana 1 0 as well. So it's the usual Mourinho stuff here. So you have 1 0. One nils against the bottom tier sides, Cremonese and Salernitana. Their goals from the large bodied Chris Smalling and Brian mm-hmm. Cristante. You know what I mean? The set pieces. Mm-hmm. Don't think twice about it. They're set mm-hmm. pieces. Then they went away to Juve, which proved to be a tough task for them. Um, that they'd have been happy with a draw. They conceded early. They managed to equalize in the 69th minute through Tammy Abraham. Their 3 0 victory over Monza. I feel like anyone can beat Monza right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Debala started stat padding a bit that game. Yeah. Um, and then the 4 0 loss to Deneza was the one that kind of tilted everything onto its head, right? Everything was going swimmingly for Roma. But as Mourinho said, it's better to lose 4 0 once. Than to lose one yeah. nil four times, and he's right. As ridiculous as a statement as that is, knowing the context of what's just happened, yeah. <laughs> how bitter the fans must be. Um, yes, he's right. This is at the end of the day, they lost three points, and that's it. So they can easily recover. You know, the thing is, how much of a mental strain did this have? Moreno took an unusual approach for him. You know, he praised the ball after the loss. Now, typically, he throws his players under the bus. Yeah. And this time, he said that his man of the match was Paolo Dybala. 100%, of course, he didn't actually mean it. He's just saying, like... I think man of the match was Pereira. Of course. <laughs> man of the match was anyone on Udinese. Like, mm. definitely not one of Roma's players. But anyway, yeah, bro. Um, Roma look like they can do something this season. Um, this against Udinese was kind of a, a one-off. I do feel like it was a one-off. It was a slap in the face to Mourinho. I don't think it'll happen again. Um, you could see him shaking Sotil's hand at the end of the game, like, well done. Um, mm. I think he's the only coach to ever beat him 4 0. Could it be? Could very much be. Yeah, I don't know if the, that 5 that, that one loss for Real Madrid against Barca was under Mourinho. Mm. Um, probably wouldn't be, man, knowing, knowing how little Mourinho tends to concede because of his more conservative style of play. That's it. This was shocking, 4-0. Huh? 4-0 against the Mourinho so side is, is so mental <laughs> and it, it, you know, it says a lot about the day as well yeah. rather than the, the teams. It only happened because we bet on Roma or Drew. <laughs> For sure. There's no other For reason. For sure, man. If I was a manager, I was thinking about this last day. One plea I would have to the fans is if you have any superstitions, please like stick to them and be careful. Like if you hold your piss in and we score, keep holding your fucking piss in. Get, get bladder disease. I don't yeah. give a shit. Like. I think this game was literally a, a downward spiral after an early Karsdorp mistake. I feel like Karsdorp fucked the entire game. <laughs> okay, he that's one way to look at it. Yeah, bro, honestly, in the fifth minute, he tried to chest the ball down to Rui Patricio. Doggy came flying in and scored immediately. And that forced Roma to panic. Yeah, a bit. And suddenly yeah. they were attacking Udinese, sat back, wasted. Uh, not wasted. They they played conservative. They defended the one nil for a whole half, pretty much. Yeah. Then in the second half, they managed to get them again in the fifty six with some Samardzic, a moment of brilliance, and then it was wide open. Roma so was committing really good, especially from a distance, mm-hmm. committing men forward, and then Pereira on the seventy fifth and Lovrich with the killer in the eighty second. Four nil. Four nil. I have a couple of points to make about Roma. So you said they look like they could do something this year. 
Mm-hmm. I think on paper, they definitely look like they could do something this year. At the end of the day, they're a Mourinho team. They're a good team. They have that solid three at the back. They have Pellegrini in midfield, one of the best midfielders in the league, maybe not this season so far. Um, obviously, bringing in Dybala, bringing in Vijnaldum, bringing in Matic, bringing in these key pieces that will make them a better and more versatile team. However, I have not seen anything yet this season to me from Roma that proves that they are a better side than they were last season. I think what we mentioned about that gap between the defense and the midfield is still there. We thought it would be sorted out by playing two holding midfielders. They've played two holding midfielders. That hasn't done them any favors. They just looked less fluid and Pellegrini was invisible in the more attacking role. Um, Will Roma pick it up? 100% they will pick it up and they and they will be fighting for that top four spot. But for now, bro, I can't I can't say it with confidence. I mean, because Pellegrini's been shocking. Tammy Abraham up front has been fucking shocking as well. I think at the end of the day, Tammy Abraham is a man that, because of his natural abilities, suits the team's style more mm-hmm. than him being the best choice talent wise I feel like he's more of a fit to the team rather than a unique talent that that they brought in because he's been missing some sitters man Tammy Abraham needs to work on his hold up play you can't be that tall and be that bad at hold up play Mm. like you look at the other strikers of his uh, stature like like for example Giroud Duvan Zapata Vlaovic they all excel at hold up play. Even Chiro. Even Chiro excels at yeah, of course. And even the lower center of gravity ones like Chocaputo is very good at exactly. holding the ball up, as we mentioned exactly. in the last episode. Tam Abraham needs to build some muscle and work on waiting for his teammates. Because he has the mm-hmm. Bala, Spinazzola, those guys running in behind, you know, the Zaniolo. Yeah. He can totally get some things done over there. But I feel like he, he needs to improve a little bit. Uh, many things need to improve on the Strama side, to be fair. Um, including Karsdorp, I feel like needs to be dropped for Trellik completely. Yeah, 100, I think Trellik, Trellik has looked very good, to be fair. Yeah, Trellik has looked good. Um, I'm excited <coughs> to see what Belotti will be able to yes. bring up front as well. He's got a couple Another of minutes. Another player who's very good at hold-up play. Very good at hold-up play. And when a team is struggling, because fuck me, have we seen Torino struggle in the past couple of years? Um, he was the man. He was the man still getting four mm-hmm. shots away a match, three shots away a match, and, and really trying to carry a team forward. So when the going gets tough, bringing on a motherfucker like like Andrea Bellotti isn't a bad shout for Mourinho at all, man. Definitely. Definitely <clears> not. <throat> um, yeah. I'm not too confident about Roman in top four that much because they haven't been tested there was a statistic last year they haven't been tested but but you look at the results like mm. one nil against Salernitana okay Salernitana have been impressive one nil against Cremonese okay one one against Juve okay three nil against Monza and then you lose four nil to Udinese so the first four games in my opinion are uh, the best case scenario mm. you know when you look at these games you say okay we have Monza we have Cremonese we have Salernitana we have Juve can we get three wins and a draw? Uh, yeah. That would I mean, be good. Uh, uh, that would be good. Absolutely. Three wins and a draw. Absolutely. It's but just this, this against Sudanese. Was it a fluke or not? We'll see. In the Fonseca days, Roma were criticized because they could not do anything against the top seven side. Mm-hmm. They lost every time, pretty much. I think yeah. there were two draws and just were all losses in a, in a whole season. 
Let's see what happens when these guys take on the likes of Inter. Let's see what happens when they play Fiorentina even. You know, let's see what yeah. happens when these guys play Milan. Let's see. It's still very early days. Um, but I think that Mourinho can get his team to be quite street smart and they can close the game out as well. Maybe against Udinese, there was an element of complacency as well. Things are going well, you know. Um, well, they weren't like a honeymoon phase and this was a slap in the face. Let's see how yeah. they react. It was... It was a slap in the face from Inter that woke Milan up last year and led them to win, winning the league. Very Coppa true. Coppa Italia, 3 0 loss to Inter. That is what pissed Milan off, and they went on to not losing another game after that. Very true. Very true. We'll see. Let us know, guys, if you think Rome are a top four side, particularly after that 4 0 loss, and how they'll bounce back um, <clears throat> and how we'll, see them, how we'll see them moving forward. The next team we're going to be covering are Torino. So Torino won their opening match of the season away from home against Monza, um, two goals to one. They then drew nil-nil against Lazio at home. They beat Cremonese 2-1 away from home thanks to an own goal by Bianchetti and a goal by Radonjic. Um, they then lost to Atalanta three goals to one and Torino looked a shadow of what they were in the beginning of the season over there. Um, and then Torino went on to beat Lecce 1-0 thanks to a Vlasic goal. What are your thoughts on Torino so far this year? They look surprisingly solid. Once again, we have a team over here that has lost every single important player that it had. So one of their weaknesses was the goalkeeping department. No, it's because yeah. they had Vanya and they had Berisha and they had to choose between one of those. Um, that's still the case. Yeah. Um, granted, I, I rate Vanya. For, for them, he's okay. Even British isn't bad. Um, they could have done with an upgrade, but that's not the worst thing in the world. Losing Bremer, losing Pobega, losing Belotti, however, is the worst thing that's in the, the world. That's the spine, man. Yes, you lose your entire spine. Um, however, they have adapted well. They've brought in these interesting midfield players like Vlasic, Radonjic, you know, who can do quite a lot from outside the area, especially who can create a Miranchuk we saw early on before his injury. He looked very good, very fluid. Um, they're still lacking that striker. Oh, agreed. Like they have Sanabria, but they're still lacking that striker. Agreed. I get that. I get that Sanabria gets goals and and Torino still score mm -hmm. goals, but sometimes the lack of a number nine to actually get the ball to as a as a final goal for the midfielders. Mm -hmm. Okay, play it to this guy and just assure he's going to put the ball in the back of the net. Obviously, they're going to miss that after mm -hmm. losing Belotti and not directly replacing him. Exactly. We've seen it time and time again. Juve last season for the opening six months had no one up front and they were shambolic for the first six months and then Vlaovic kind of fixed that issue a little bit. We're seeing it with Chelsea this year, for example. The fact that they're playing fucking Raheem Sterling in a false nine is weird as hell. Yeah. So I, I think... And we saw it with City for ages. Ex mm -hmm. True. Yeah. True. Um, and then City, let alone their city. So they, yeah. they managed to make it, they managed to make it work. But I think Torino are due a number nine. That, that would be kind of the only area of criticism I have for them. I mean, if you look at their squad, it's very easy to pinpoint certain areas where they could have better players. Um, but it works, man. And it works because of the, the class manager that yes. they have in, in Ivan Juric. Ivan Juric, you give him scraps and he'll make a car. Like, you know what I mean? He's, he's a fantastic manager, man. Honestly, I, I really rate him. I think he's one of the better ones in the league. Especially in that lower, in the lower pool, he's the best. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Outside the top seven, like. Um, oh, we should do what we did with the goalkeepers, with managers. managers man, that's that's fun. I did one recently with Santi, if you want me to pull it up. Okay, do it. 
I rated every single, I, I did very quickly though, I was at work, let's just go through it quickly. So my number one <laughs> is Pioli. Uh-huh. Wait a sec, okay, so I have Pioli. Now this is difficult again, because it's like, are we talking about all time or right now? I was focusing more on like, right now, past in the past, past three couple, years. Yeah. Like, so I put Pioli first, I put Mourinho second. I put Allegri third. I put Sarri fourth. I'm not even sure about this anymore. I put Inzaghi fifth, followed by Spalletti, Gasperini, Italiano, Juric, Dionisi, Nicola, Mihailovic, Gotti, Giampaolo, Cioffi, Alvini, Sotil, Zanetti, Baroni, and Strappa. I, I disagree with a few there. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Which ones? You think Inzaghi's too- Like Allegri is too high up, I think. Mourinho might be a little but the thing is, I think Inzaghi is second, for example. Inzaghi is second? I think Inzaghi is second. For almost winning the league? No, but I mean the way... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, Max! <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a, he's a great manager and the fact that he made Inter tick so quickly and the fact that they just narrowly missed out on winning the league with a brand new manager and losing certain key pieces like Lukaku in the team. And, and he took over, implemented this, okay, similar but very different system to the one they had under Andrea Conte and he still managed mm -hmm. to get them that far. Um, and then plus he's a very experienced manager in the league. He knows how to win a fucking game, bro. He knows how to win those weird ones against Juve. Um, he's kicked Milan's ass before. He's a, he's a great manager. Um, Italiano, and then I feel like is, is one that could be slightly higher up. Like, over Gasperini, Spalletti, Inzaghi, Sarri. 100% over Allegri. I don't know why Allegri was, was put that high. Allegri was put that high simply because of his accolades, no? Simply because of what he's won. Mm, but then if you look at like past two seasons, if you're looking at his return to Juve, rather than what he did at them before. Mm. It'd be way further But then, you know, you me. have to take into consideration as well the Juve team he inherited. It was dog shit. Rabiot on the highest salary, Ramsey on the highest salary. Like, it was an absolute mess. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, him qualifying for Champions League, for example, over um, Napoli that one season, for example, was a, was a miracle. Mm. Was that him? That was him, right? I'm not sure. It was him who got fourth in the last day of the season, or was that Pirlo? That was Pirlo. That was Pirlo. That, that was Pirlo. He he was he was introduced last year and yeah. he got them to third. Exactly, exactly. which is exactly. which is impressive in itself, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's it. Okay, I'm, I'll, I might counter you in the. Let's in let's the next do that. Episode. To be honest, I'd like to refine this list a little bit. Um, I don't like certain. Towards the bottom, I feel like I got a bit reckless, but anyway, we'll... we'll, we'll I mean, we'll, you do it at work, so... Exactly, <laughs> it's, at work, it's like, fair just enough. typing on my keyboard, you know. <laughs> um, Someone comes by, minimize maximum. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty much um, Torino for you guys. A couple a couple shout-outs. I mean, how can I, how can I not shout-out the man, the myth, the legend in midfield that is the great Samuele Ricci? He's, He's so been good. phenomenal for them this year. One of their best players, if not their best player. Um, 
classic they have obviously very good wing backs that have been doing bits for them as well whether it's bringing Voivoda in off the bench or just in off the bench or starting with Singo um, Ritchie's injured by the way um, he has a month out I believe a month? Yeah. even Miranchuk is injured yes. no? Miranchuk got injured in the second match day mm-hmm. poor guy yeah um, it's going to be exciting to see what Torino can do, whether they'll end up pushing for that conference league spot or whether they, like yeah. very much like last season, will end up pushing for top 10 again. Very good. In seventh place, we have Juventus um, with nine points. They won two games and drew three and they haven't lost a game yet. Um, respect. Respect. It all started with their game against Sassuolo, which they won convincingly 3-0, the Di Maria debut and then the Vlaovic show right after. 3-0, a very convincing opening game. And then they went away to Sampdoria and drew 0-0 in a very unconvincing display. They had an expected goals average of 0.48 that game. Disgusting. Terrible. So they didn't even look to attack, like against Sampdoria. Mm Then they played against Roma. They got an early goal that game. Then they conceded one in the 69th. 1-1 over there. Fair result, to be honest with you. Um, Roma attacked more. Once again, they looked like the livelier side. Then Juve played against Spezia. um, They beat them 2-0 goals by Vlaovic and Milik, who arrived quite recently, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Fiorentina won, Juventus won. Um, Over here, once again, we saw Juventus scoring early in the ninth minute. Kwame scoring in the 29th. And then at the end of the game, you see Allegri screaming for the referee to blow the final whistle so they can get a one point at Fiorentina. (laughs) Uh, It's quite quite, um, crazy how yeah. f- football time and football is so different to time as we know it. Um, one year can change so many things, you know. Yeah. I mean, the, Juve were the most dominant team in Italy for nine years in a row up until recently, you know. And now you look at them and you look at, for example, you know, Allegri and his reputation right now, it's so different, so different. And then they went to PSG in the Champions League, fun fact, away from home, and they lost 2-1, and they had a chance to equalize at the end of the game, actually. PSG were very wasteful, and they allowed Juve to get mm-hmm. back into it. They held their own, to be honest with you there. Um, mm-hmm. Thoughts on Juventus, bro? Um, <sighs> so, if there's a couple positives I can point out about Juve and justifications, obviously, um, they are struggling a little bit when it comes to injuries. Yes, uh, that's very with, important with, to mention. Chiesa uh-huh, <coughs> being out for a while. Di Maria was in and out this year as well. So it is tough for Juve to, to adapt to a situation like that, especially with so many new players in the team. Um, they're trying to figure each other out. And then Pogba obviously has been injured as well. Um, Vlaovic has been incredible for them. Uh, Milik has come in and shown that when Vlaovic isn't on the pitch, he can do it as well, be it starting against Fiorentina, mm-hmm. which was weird, by the way. Um, <laughs> Figo played against Barca, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, you know, the game against PSG, we're not really ready for it, but I'm going to rest my best players for Serie yeah. Exactly. A tactical genius. I think that... And, and I've said this time and time again about Juve. Juve wanted something fresh, which is why they loosened their ties with Allegri a couple of seasons ago when they got Pirlo. And then they, I'm sorry, they got Sarri and then Pirlo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they ended up getting Allegri back, which halted that kind of progression into being a more modern football with more positive football. Um, they're back to this kind of scrappy... 
Yeah, that that style of football. It's like three points is all that matters. Yeah. That that kind of football. It's it it, it should be a, a safe system, but but I have never seen someone utilize it more dangerously than Allegri. Yeah, I mean, opening it's so the scoring, true. So opening true, the scoring bro. in the ninth minute and hanging on for a one 0 victory is simply never ever 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 sustainable, especially yeah. in such a high scoring league. You can't be the exception over here, and your defense and midfield. Definitely isn't good enough to be doing that, man. What you need to be is a high-pressure football team. Once they have Pogba on the pitch, I think that could change to the better. Having Pogba and Di Maria kind of Pogba pinging balls down the wing, and Di Maria with the forwards, Allah runs Chiesa as well, carrying the ball forward as he did last year. Vlaovic making those runs off the ball that can actually be spotted. Things can change for Juve because obviously it it, it would. It would be very unfair for us not to mention the injury troubles that that they're having. Um, a ray of light for them has been Miretti. Yeah? Miretti has been super, so good, man. super. He's player. so good, Miretti. He's so good. Like he's he nineteen should be one years of the old. First Miretti. names on the on the team sheet to me, man. <laughs> That's true. He's one of the only ones with um, attacking prowess in that midfield. And um, switching of play, switching of play is really good as well. Man, he's very active, always available. I like him a lot, man. Miretti. If you play like that, nineteen, play him. You know, hey. play him. Play, hey. Let's see what happens. Hey, you don't know, fucking. No, that's what I was saying. But last it's time, bro. He's he is playing him. To be fair to him, criticism towards Allegri in the past has been that he doesn't deploy youth. Mm. Can't be said. Now he's playing starting a nineteen-year-old midfielder more often than not. The question is, will he continue to do so when Paredes, Pobega, and McKenny are all fit to play? And Rabio, I don't know too much about Paredes and and what he's gonna do for for Juve. I mean, Paredes is one of those midfielders, no kind of like an all-round player, very good at everything. Great CV, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, he I mean, he was at PSG. PSG you know? yeah. um, he starts for sure, though. He's that type of player. He plays for sure. No, he'll start one hundred percent. I'm I'm wondering how much of a how much of a positive slash negative impact it have on Juve because normally you look at a team that struggles in the midfield and maybe other players come to mind rather than Paredes <laughs> and we've seen them make odd decisions when it comes to signing midfielders. We saw the removal of Pjanic and the signing of Artur. We saw them bring in Zakaria. Who's in, who now I believe either has an obligation or an option at Chelsea. I believe it's a fucking obligation. Yeah. And now Paredes will see how he it's does. A loan but, as well. Mm. It's a season-long loan with an option to buy. They just took advantage of the opportunity there that they saw when PSG needed to make room on their books. That's it. Mm. That's, That's it. very and, true. And fair enough. Like, how do you see? I mean, how do you see Juve progressing? Slow start. Um, their next matches they have Salernitana, which is no easy fixture. Um, then they have a midweek against Benfica, and then they return away against Monza. So their next three fixtures are relatively on the easier side. Um, they do face Milan later on after their midweek fixture to Maccabi Haifa, and then they have the derby against Torino. And then things get a little bit easier again until they face Inter and Lazio. Um, how do you see them bouncing back after this start? We have five matches in, two wins, three draws. Not exactly ideal for you, is it? Yes, I mean, not ideal. Could could be worse, of course. They could have lost, but not the worst. Um, how do I see Juve bouncing back? Bro, if all these years of sitting on my ass and watching Serie A have taught me something, was that Juve always come back. 
Mm, always. Even when they're down in Serbia. Even, <laughs> even when they're down in Serbia, you can't get rid of them. They're always back, bro. You are the herpes of the league. <laughs> <laughs> they always come back and they always come back with a vengeance. And and they, especially under Allegri, man, there was one nil, they start stacking them up, man. Yeah. It's, it's insane to see even, I don't know if it was last year or the year before. They had a terrible start to the season, terrible. Last year, probably. Last year. They bounced back, bro, and like didn't lose a game for so long. And they were all... Last year, they were on like a 17 or 16 match unbeaten run until the match against against Inter that we went to watch at Monelli's. There we go. Ah, That's what what had ended it with the weird penalty of of Hakan. Ah, The retake. Yeah. Yeah, there we go, man. I mean, I see them bouncing back. I see them in the top four. Okay. Interesting. Um... Yeah, I mean, everything tells me historically, you look at Juve, you think top four. Um, I think this season is going to be one of their toughest tests to mm-hmm. date, which is interesting because in the beginning of the season, with the additions of Bremer, Di Maria, Kostic and Pogba, I had them in, well, I had them in third, but in my mind, there was a high possibility that they would be in first as well. I thought at a point during preseason when I looked at their team, they hadn't even signed Bremer yet. And I looked at their lineup with Di Maria, with Chiesa, with Vlaovic, Pogba. I was like, Jesus Christ, these guys, you know. Um, and with Allegri, you know, how to win smart. I was like, these guys can totally win the league. Mm. Their team but is like selecting know, Adidas 11 on yeah. FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, they, they struggle, they're still struggling with injuries. So you can't really get to see that team in theory. Yeah, in real life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so realistically, right now, I don't think they have what it takes to win the league. No. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I think we're safe to move on to Inter. Inter. Yes. So Inter sit in eighth at the moment. Five matches played, and they are on nine points. So they had three wins and two losses. They started off the season with late drama and managed to beat Lecce away from home two one thanks to a ninety fifth minute goal by Dumfries, last kick of the game. They then dismantled Spezia three goals to nil, absolutely demolished them. And then after that, one that we surprisingly, again, haven't mentioned is losing to Lazio away from home, three goals to one. Um, goes by Philip Anderson, a screamer, fucking screamer by Luis Alberto. That, what Jesus, that, 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 that is a shout for one of the goals of the season as I well. I instantly but downloaded that goal, the video. I put it on in shot. I trimmed it, you know, I did it up. Got on TikTok, search Metallica. <laughs> Simple as that. Simple as that. Enter Sandman. Like, Enter Sandman, boom, done, busted. Um, it was a scream. It did take a slight deflection, um, but, but straight into the top corner. It was beautiful, man. And him coming on, wow. Um, Pedro scored in the 86th and Lautaro Martinez had an equalizer in the 51st, but that was far more than enough. Um, Sorry, it, it it wasn't enough at all for, for Inter. And they then beat Cremonese, three goals to one, and Correa scored, so that was weird. And then they lost in the Derby della Madonnina against Milan, three goals to two, where they were technically away from home. And now, last night, they just lost against Bayern Munich uh, with the score of 2-0 at home in Milan. So, before I talk about Inter, I kind of want to cover the Lazio game a little bit with okay. you. Um, because, simply... Inter had a stretch of time in that game where they were doing Inter stuff. They were controlling possession, they were moving the ball around, they're having some nice moments. Um, But then Lazio 
in the second half completely dominated the game mm-hmm. and convincingly won three one. And I don't think I, I think that is a very fair result considering how the match went. What do you have to make of this game? Um I was surprised, to be honest with you, um about this game. Um <laughs> I did not expect Lazio to to destroy Inter in this manner. Um, especially looking at Lazio's starting eleven and the midfield. Mm. You have Milinkovic Savage there, and then you have certain players who do not belong there. Vecino, you have Cataldi. Like they're okay, but they, they shouldn't be starting for a team in the top seven in Italy, mm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. This happened literally last year though. Inter lost yeah. to Lazio 3-1 last year as well. In fact, That's when um what's his what's his name? Um, the number three of, of Lazio jumped oh, on. Oh, Patrick. No, no, no. no, no. Um, he has Ramos on the back of yes. his shirt. What the hell is his uh, name Felipe. again? Felipe. No, Juan, no. Stop it. Luis Felipe. Luis Felipe. Luis Felipe. Yes. Luis Felipe jumped on Korea and there was a whole drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Korea can't take a joke, man. 26 million. <laughs> but yes, um, it's crazy to think about this. Provedel, Marisic, Romagnoli, Patrick, Lazzari, Vecino, Cataldi, Milinkovic, Savic, Zaccani, Immobile and Felipe Anderson beat in 13 Sorry, ball baby. Sorry, ball. And the thing is, they they allowed Inter to have possession, and they allowed Inter to make mistakes. They dispossessed Inter eleven times this game. They capitalized on their errors and they punished them for them. Mm. Um, I don't know if there's what, what there is to say about it. Um, they had Gagliardini in the middle. Inter didn't look the part. Barella completely absent this game as well. Mm. And Brozovic was not as good as he. Should be and Lukaku, man. Didn't look good at all either. Looked so static. Yeah, Lukaku is, for now at least from what I've seen, he's half the player that he was last, than the, the last season we saw him in Serie A in 32 seasons ago. Um, and I think that leads me to my points of criticism on Inter so far. So obviously they still are one of the best teams in the league by a landslide. Inter are so dangerous. Um, but they do have a few inconsistencies at the moment with the team. We're looking at that back three that was among the best defenses the best. in the league. The best, probably. For years on years on years. And, and this season, it seems like whether they're trying to break down an attack or whether they start one of their own, something can go wrong somewhere along that line, somewhere along that defensive line. Either they pass it out and it literally doesn't, the ball doesn't make it to Brozovic or when they have people running at them, Leao being a, a prime example that they're not able to stop them in the, in the one-on-one. So their defense has definitely been a little bit shaky this year. Um, they have a little bit of a situation on the left-hand side where Gossens isn't seeming like a preferred option at all, which kind of leads to... They almost Daniel. sold him. They, they almost sold him. To, to the, the management had bro. to block it. To fucking Leverkusen, yeah. the weirdest shit ever. They would have lost Perisic and, and Gorsons um, in the space of a month, like two months. Um, Look, so, so they have a weird situation down the left-hand side as well. And then Lukaku is a shadow of his former self. So it seems like they have, they suddenly, Inter, have a few areas to work on, man. It seems that, first of all, this 4-3-3 really works well against a 3-5-2 of Nzagi. Like, mm. I feel like um, Sarri can tear the system apart by getting in the spaces left um, between the players. Um, 
I agree with your point about the defense being shakier, mm-hmm. and particularly Devry. Yeah. Devry has, in the past two years, to be honest, declined. And I would say that three years ago, Devry was the best out of mm-hmm. these three center backs, mm-hmm. even better than Skriniar. Um, you know, when there were interviews with him, you know, there were, he, it was said that he he was a perfectionist and that he would watch clips of himself relentlessly, mm. try to work I on himself. That. I, I hope he's not doing that anymore, quite frankly, because <laughs> watching those layout clips over and over again, he was, <laughs> that would be really bad for him. To lead him yeah. to an early grade. <laughs> yeah. But um, yes, man, I, I, I think that Inter, to be honest, just needs some time to get, over, to get back into shape. Like Lukaku needs to, to kind of readapt to his environment. You have... Um, Gossens who needs to kind of get back into it Proof as well. He, he hasn't done anything at Inter yet. Um, and you look at Di Marco, Di Marco is really trying and he's he's had good games to be honest. Yeah. With you. He's had games where he was the main offensive output for them. But it's safe to say that things aren't ticking as, as efficiently as they were. Could it be it's because um, the Conte days are even further back than they mm. used to be? Maybe they're losing their weight. I mean, Conte was one hell of a motivator man so i wouldn't be surprised if, if that has if that plays a part um it just seems like something is not quite ticking for inter they could still you know win the cremonese matches the spezia matches the lecce matches but it almost seems like every time they faced a bit of a test that they've lost. So far, yes, that's been the case. I mean, Lecce gave them a test and they and they won, to be fair. But but when you Last look at kick of the game. two matches against the top seven teams, potential six points and they get and they get zero. That is concerning for Inter, both away from home and both against bogey teams in recent history, Lazio and, and Milan. You can consider those bogey teams for Inter. Um, coming up, they have a home match against Torino and away match against Victoria Pleasant or whatever the... Fuck that team name is, yeah, and then they're away to Udinese, so that'll be that'll be tough quite a uh-huh, that'll be quite a tough test for them. Um, but I do see them bouncing back very very quickly. They have Roma after that as well, bro. We have Roma and then Barcelona and then Sassuolo, then Barca again. So that's pretty fucking mad for Inter. But I do see them bouncing back very you know quickly they they still have some some positive notes for them of course are Lautaro Martinez he's been Mm -hmm. excellent really stepping up and carrying that momentum for the past three seasons past four seasons he's been such a a consistent leader for them Lautaro Martinez and and like we said there's few strikers in the world that can play in a double pivot up front the same way that Lautaro Martinez does and he has a good grinta about him as well. Um, I'm a big fan of the guy. Other um, positives would be the midfield still seems quite fluid going forward. It still seems quite dangerous. That combination of Brozovic, um, Barella and Chalanoglu is still quite dangerous. Yes, but imagine one of them's tired. Who do you bring on? Galliardini. Galliardini. <laughs> That's the thing. They needed a midfielder. Well, what man. about? They have, what of about course, they have Aslani. Aslani. But they haven't really played him, have they? They haven't utilized him as much as. Maybe well, to they, be honest, they, they, they shouldn't rush him into the fray. Um, but I think they might have to. He's a good player, to be fair. Like, he's a very good player. I think he'd do a better job than Galliardini would. Yeah, for sure. And and then obviously they have they have Mikitarian who. 
came on and, and, and like gave us a heart attack in the Derby della Madonnina as well. That that guy can pull shit out. He's one not to be yes. not to be ignored. He's, he's not to be underestimated as uh-huh. well because you know he's kind of a a joke amongst some fan bases. Mm-hmm. But um he's he's very good. He has a lot of flair, he mm-hmm. can drive well, cover a lot of ground and play a clever ball. Yeah. And lastly, for Inter, what do you make of the whole Handanovic versus Onana situation? I think Onana hasn't played in a while, so it only makes sense that Handanovic is playing. But I think eventually um, Onana is bound to replace Handanovic, and I wouldn't be surprised if it happens this season. Okay. You? Cool. Um, same, I'm still waiting for Handanovic to have his couple of blunders and Onana will start being introduced. I think what, what we'll start seeing is you know, maybe Onana playing in the in the Coppa Italia or Onana playing in the Champions League. He has decent Champions mm-hmm. League experience for, for Ajax as well. So I think it's a matter of comparing the two, comparing their performances and moving forward. But but obviously when it comes to goalkeepers, it's a little bit tricky because mm-hmm. you want to play the young guy to build to build his confidence and and to understand the team better and, and to maximize his performances moving forward. But at the same time, you want as much experience as possible. Mm-hmm. But sometimes experience with Handanovic means being a bit lazy when it comes to stopping attempts. Yes. Um, and yeah, we, we, we've spoken about Handanovic's issues. Being rooted before. to the spot. Exactly, exactly. Moving on to Lazio. Yes, sir. They sit in ninth currently with eight points. They have won two games, drawn two games and lost one game. Um, they started off against Bologna, the match where um, their new goalkeeper, Luis Maximiano, I keep saying Maximiniano. I said Maximiliano, I think. Maximiliano, that's stupid. Luis Maximiano, stupid. So, yes, Luis Max, um, fortunately, we never saw him again after the sixth minute of the first game of the season because he got sent off and we've just seen Providel since. I think Sarri might have locked him up and he's just putting out cigarettes on him constantly. Um, that game ended 2-1 to Lazio, thanks to a Sao Mauro red card that allowed Lazio to get back into the game over there. Um, then they came nil-nil away to Torino. Followed by a 3-1 victory over Inter, which we have just discussed. Um, they drew away to Sampdoria 1-0 thanks to a Chiro Mobile goal and a Gabbiadini last second equalizer. And then they took the lead early on against Napoli at home, but lost thanks to a Min Jay goal and a Gvaracelia goal. The two new boys. Yes, the two new boys um, scoring for Napoli. But bro, um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet with Lazio, man. Um, I think they're still missing pieces to be a competitive side. Um, I think they're a team that can cause problems to to some teams, um, especially on their day, um, and if they're not playing more than once a week. I think their midfield isn't too standard. I think their fullbacks aren't too standard. And I think they're very Chiro Mobile reliant, quite frankly. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Their fullbacks definitely need work. Their fullbacks, it's, it, it pisses me off how they haven't been addressed by Lazio, how, how they still have Lazzari and Marusic, how they haven't sorted that that fucking shit out yet. Yeah, like. and, and then like things aren't going well and the fullbacks are clearly struggling and they bring on Hisai. Literally, man, it's, it's, it's fucked. Um, and they have Radu in their squad still. Yeah, that Radu. Radu, they're Radu, the Lazio. Ah. He's still there, believe it or not. 
Um, that being said as well, it, it does seem like there is a lot going on internally for Lazio, a little bit of not favoritism, but but it seems like there's a there's a bit of politics going on. The fact that Cataldi is starting, for example, is a is a massive one. The oh, like why? Why would you not, say not, that? Sorry, not, not not Cataldi, Vecino. Cataldi, I get yeah. because he is the replacement for Lucas Leiva. Yeah. He's the guy that moves the ball around. Ah, you're talking about the whole Luis Alberto thing. Yes, yes. The, the Luis Alberto thing is sorry thing. Yes, is fucked. And I think Sarri is a bit of a petty man. I think he's a very <laughs> old school. I think he's a very old school man. That if you fuck with me, you get a punishment. Yes. I think he's that kind of boss, and that that's not very motivating. Um, I think everywhere's shit apart from the front three, quite frankly, um, <laughs> with, the, with the obvious exception of Milinkovic-Savic in midfield, best yeah. midfielder in the league. Um, Luis Alberto hasn't been great as well, but he hasn't been getting minutes, as we just said. Um, the defense hasn't been great. Provedel has been decent after stepping in. They, they have all round, everything is okay from their management to their players. But that is as far as Lazio goes. They're far too inconsistent. Like, great, beating Inter 3-1. Massive, man. Genuinely massive. Um, but drawing to Sampdoria straight after, drawing to Torino just before that, you know, still a lot of work to be done for Lazio to be... I, I had them in eighth in the beginning and I still have them there. I don't see them remotely getting anywhere close to Europe if they keep on having the performances that they do. There's nothing exciting and there's nothing stable about it. Uh -huh. um, I see a lack of investment as well over here. Mm. Um, yes, man, I, I agree with you. Um, I think they leave a lot to be desired. I don't think there's much else... To say, to be honest, about Lazio, dude. Yeah, it's, it's underwhelming. True. They have, what but games. to to be fair, with with the tools that Sarri has, he still makes it. He's he has still made it work against Inter. So we will be seeing impressive Lazio results and impressive Lazio performances. The thing is, they just don't have what it takes to finish in the top four simply because they can't do it across a whole season. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. Next team we're going to be covering is Salernitana in tenth. Probably the highest yes. they've ever been in Serie A history, man, up in up in tent over there. Um, they currently have six points out of five matches. Um, those included um so one, two, three, four. <laughs> Apologies for that. So the opening match of the season, they lost one nil at home against Roma. See the alphabet now. <laughs> and after that, there was a nil-nil away draw against Odinese that in hindsight proved to be a fantastic result. They killed Sampdoria four goals to nil. Goes by Dia, Bonazzoli, Vilena and Botheim. Fantastic performance by Salernitana over there. They drew away against Bologna. Um, Arnautovic opened the scoring from the spot again. And then Dia got the equaliser. And then they drew 2-2 to Empoli in a match that they perhaps should have won. Satriano opened the scoring. Mazzocchi got the equaliser. Dia then scored again. Dia's been on fucking fire, man. And then Lammers equalised for Empoli. Lammers has also been quite good. 
um, for Empoli. Salernitana, what are your thoughts? They're flying quite high after, yes. after last season. I'm off my ass on Salernitana right now, bro. <laughs> I love these guys. The way they play football is so fucking fun to watch, man. The way their shape, their structure, the way they move the ball around is so simple. It's so efficient. It's not flashy. It's fucking just fun to watch, man. And they have the potential to tear opponents apart as we saw with Sampdoria for example they tore them an absolute new one over there yeah um I really like the moves that they made in the market particularly the signings of Mazzocchi and Dia Dia has proven to be a great partner to Panazzoli it's just what he needed up front over there and the signing of Kondreva who hasn't even really hit the ground running yeah, hit maybe. the ground I mean he's been fine looking at him mm-hmm. but output wise you know he's he he has a lot left you know, yeah. you know what I mean he hasn't You're even got he hasn't even started like this season with Samp last year mm-hmm. when he was fucking one of the best right wingers in the league. Uh-huh. It's a fair point. So they look amazing, man. Vilhena looks good. Botheim looks good. Madzoki. Madzoki. Lassana Koulibaly looks like a different player to last season, the way yeah. he moves in that midfield. Um, Frank Ribéry, I think, is somewhere there still. Somewhere in that team. And not to mention as well, Dylan Bron, the centre-back, looks really good. He's 27 years old from Tunisia. Very good player. Okay, so I'm, I'm quite high on Salernitana. I originally was torn between them and Spezia to get relegated. I must say that I, I think that they look much better than Spezia can, will ever look this season, to be honest. Yeah, they, they, they're a tough, energetic, very physical team to play against. Um, <coughs> I don't want to take away how tactical they are because they are a team that is very capable of keeping their shape and being very mature with when to explode, when to sit back, when to attack, when to defend, when to play the ball around. They're quite a mature side. Um, they've kept their their main goal must have been keeping the momentum that was brought towards the end of last season. Well, at the end of last season and taking it into this season, it was key that they managed to keep David and Nicola at the helm. Um, there were a lot of rumors saying that this guy is just going to do the, the same thing with Cremonese next year or with Monza next year, for example. Um, but he's showing that he's not only a, a manager that's good at saving teams for relegation or, or he's good at that because he's genuinely a very good manager and he can, and he can work with a very average starting eleven. That's what they're doing. Like you said, they onboarded a couple of players very, very cleverly, like Mazzocchi, Kandreva and Dia, to me, are, are, are three absolute superstars in that, in that team. And... I see them being a bogey team for many teams this year, man. They're very, very capable of getting points this year. Um, Perhaps they should have gotten a couple more victories, like the one against Empoli. Maybe they should have gotten some more out of that. Um, Capitalizing on New Imperius' red card would have been quite cool against Udinese, but that's a tough ask at the moment. Um, But yeah, they're in a good place right now, and I see them... I see them staying up this year. Still still very early, but, but... at this rate, I do see them staying up. A team this organized with a dressing room that's probably as chill as they are right now, honestly, because there's no reason to stress. You yeah. Know? I think that they can work in harmony and they can get the best out of their qualities. And I think they'll survive. Yeah, well, they haven't faced, well, the only top seven team they've faced are Roma. They do have Juve mm-hmm. coming up um, this weekend, away from home as well. They have Lecce coming up and Sassuolo away from home as well. 
To be honest, apart from the Juve match, it looks like they can get something out of the Lecce game and it seems like they can get something out of the, uh, out of the Sassuolo game. Um, after that, Verona as well, something they can get a couple things out of. So, yeah, it's all about keeping the momentum now for Salernitana and hopefully their key pieces can stay fit, man. Yes, I agree. Shall we move on to Fiorentina? Yes, sir. La Viola. They have six points and they currently sit in 11th. They have won one, drawn three and lost one. Safe to say quite a disappointing start to the season for these guys. Now, the first game of the season was against Cremonese in a 3-2 victory. Okay, the goals came through Bonaventura, Jovic and Mandragora. Mandragora with a very late winner over there. Okereke okay, and Biancetti scoring for Cremonese. Um, they also drew nil-nil to Empoli away from home. Luperto got sent off in the 66th minute that game at Fiorentina. Still couldn't close it out. Another nil-nil followed that one against Napoli where Fiorentina did not look like creating anything to be honest that game. Yeah. Nil-nil. Um, followed by the 1-0 loss away to Udinese, goal by Beto on the 17th, and then a 1-1 draw at home to Juventus um, when they managed to equalize after an early Milik goal. Yeah. Um, I see a Fiorentina team that plays well but can't quite finish off their movements. Uh, it's a similar problem that they had last season. Um, when they let go of Vlaovic, mm. they brought in Cabral and they had Piontek as well. They were still getting goals every now and then, but there were certain games where they couldn't break the deadlock. Mm. And I feel like that happens more often than not with them. And we can see it in certain games here, you know, the Juventus game, the the um, Udinese game. You know, they couldn't score against many teams. They couldn't yeah. even score against Tempoli and Tempoli were down to 10 men. That's, that's shambolic, you know, if, if you're a team that's fighting in Europe, and your ambition is Europa League. Yeah. You have to do better there. Agreed. I mean, I see a couple of things with, two things primarily with Fiorentina that are kind of halting their, their, them getting some decent points. So mm -hmm. number one is they 100% miss Torreira in that midfield, mm -hmm. for sure. sure. Um, the lack of creativity that they have could be linked to that. The fact that they're playing a player like Malé, um, I still don't rate the guy as much. I have the, the direct replacement. Mandragora would be yeah. the, the, the direct replacement, but as well, leaves a lot to be desired at the moment. I feel like their midfield leaves a lot to be desired. There's zero to no creativity there at the moment. And especially with, with Male, I can't quite put my finger on what Male is good at. Male at reminds me a bit of Mati Fernandez. Remember Mati Fernandez back in the day? Yes, that he had five star skillful, skills on, on, on FIFA. Yeah. He, he went to Milan towards the end of his career and was yeah. number 22, I believe. Exactly. I don't know if it was a 22, but I remember that. Um, yes, Male kind of reminds you of that. He's kind of okay at everything, but not particularly exceptional at anything. Um, I'm curious about his age. I believe he's about 24 years old. He's 24 years old. That was sexy. Thanks, man. He He's a Moroccan international. Hashish. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, he can grow into something, I think. I'm extremely impressed, though. Amrabat, man. Amrabat, for me, is, is a fantastic midfielder, one of the best in the league in his position. Uh, Amrabat is... is very good, obviously, but that, that does lead me to my second issue, which is a little bit of Gasperini last season. 
Um, and that probably has to do a lot with their tight schedule, like most teams, but they obviously also have Europe this time around. Um, it's constantly changing things around Italiano this time. Yes, and man. some questionable yeah, some questionable decisions, man. Like I, I heard that Nico Gonzalez has a heel injury and that's why he hasn't been being utilized. Mm. So that explains it. Please stop playing Icone. <laughs> Icone, bro. My Icone. God, can he get any worse? That's a, that's a massive one to stop playing for. My Icone. God. Um, it does seem like when it comes to their personnel, like there are certain games where you shouldn't start Saponara. Yes, obviously, yes, yes, yes. And, and it doesn't seem like he has that filter. It's like, I have all these motherfuckers and I'm going to utilize them as hard as I can. It's yes. fair enough, but they I think can't he, play your system. He focuses a lot on condition. Mm. How they are, you know, physically, maybe. Um, I go for personality more than anything, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I go for mm. the bunda. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the thing is, bro, um, I, th- I feel like sometimes Fiorentino overcomplicates simple maneuvers. You know, I feel like sometimes with their transition, they can be a bit quicker. Like finding a new kit and they change their badge. Exactly. <laughs> there we go. No, honestly, I feel like they they overcomplicate things. And Jovic mm. uh, hasn't really made himself as available as a striker. Um, Cabral looks overweight after preseason, quite frankly. Um, not that it's quite, it's quite a disappointing sight, to be mm. honest. You look at this guy who banged down how many goals you know, in the Europa League last season, um, in half a season, to be honest, yeah. with, um, with his team before. Who was his team before? Cabral, who did he join from? He joins from Brazil, sp- I think. Spanked a bunch of, no, 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 in the Europa no. League. Oh, you're right, you're right. Um, Fiorentina. Let's see. He was with... <laughs> Basel, dude. Ah, yeah, Basel. 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 He smacked a bunch of goals in for Basel. He was a Palmeiras before them, though. Mm. You're, you're right. Brazil. Yeah, Brazil. He scored a bunch of goals for them the, in the Europa League. And to be honest with you, I thought that he could replicate that form. Um, now it seems that Jovic is finding it difficult to, to adapt. Mm. And Cabral isn't someone they can depend on right now. So they're, they're playing with two struggling strikers right now. Um, their, best, their best winger is out. And their best currently available winger, Sotil, seems to have not figured out his end product yet. He seems to always mm. make the wrong decision mm. at the end. He but does by, everything perfectly apart from the wrong By far one of their strongest points at the yes, moment. Yes, I moment. would say he's the most positive thing on that team apart from Amrabat right now. Yeah. Because Amrabat for me is the way he dominates the midfield on his own is, is exceptional. Yeah, true. Um, inconsistency seems to be quite a theme with Fiorentina this season thus far. Um, it's hard to blame the players when you see such a consistent change in personnel every single match. It seems like there's a different combination of players in the starting eleven, And then you can't blame the coach for making those decisions when they have such a tight schedule. So the more the team grows into each other and the more the substitute players learn how to play with the starting eleven and vice versa, mm-hmm. the stronger they will get. But at the end of the day, they got Conference League last year. So in an ideal world, they'd be looking for something a little bit higher that or at least retaining that this year. And to me, at least right now, that doesn't look like a realistic goal for Fiorentina for where they are right now this season. Unless they get knocked out of Europe and, and then they can put their full focus on Serie A. 
Yeah. yeah, but I think now that they're in, they just need to try to go all the way because there's no guarantee that they'll be in again next year. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The next team we're going to be covering are Sassuolo, so a team that have had quite a, an uninspiring start to this campaign. So they started the season off by losing 3-0 at the hands of Juventus. They then went on to beat Lecce one goal to nil thanks to a super goal by Domenico Berardi. Um, they went on to draw 2-2 against Spezia away from home. It was Frattesi and Pinamonti who scored. Um, and for Spezia, it was Bastoni and Inzola from the spot. Um, they then went on to draw 0-0 against Milan, which was a fantastic result for them. But then they, they went saw to... the injury of Berardi that game. Yep, they saw a, a devastating injury for Berardi that game as well. And then they went on to draw 0-0 to Cremonese, probably because it's Sassuolo without Berardi. Now, I know there's a lot that we both want to say, but I think we should leave a lot of it up to our very active listener and great friend of ours, Luke Mintoff, because at the end of the day, he does support La- uh, sorry, Sassuolo and he knows much more about them than we do. So take it away, Mint. Morning, gents, and uh, happy Serie A Spotlight is um, banging on in season two. Good luck, boys. Hope you keep growing. With regards to Sassuolo, um, to to keep it short and uh, simple, I think there are aspects where they have actually improved. Um, funnily enough, apart from the Juve game, which was pretty much horrendous defensively, defensively, the games afterwards were... Um, were far better. Um, at least uh, less goals were conceded, and um, I think more, basically more, more they were more uh, compact and and they were giving away less balls. And it seems like Dionisi really wants to play from the back. So the fact that Erlich's there instead of um, Kirikes or Ihan, I think helps a lot. Um, I still think that defensively they need to improve. Uh, at least maybe perhaps signing a few new, few new players. But on that side of things, they've conceded less and they're they're less leaky at the back. You have to consider that um, last year, within the first 20 minutes, Sassuolo would usually concede a goal, albeit they would then come back because they would play such good attacking football. But um, that's not happening anymore, which is a good sign, at least from my perspective. Um, on the other side, attacking-wise, it's looking quite bleak, um, especially now Berardi's out, which is a massive blow. Probably if you want, if you don't want one player to be injured, it's him. Um, unfortunately, it is. And uh, yeah, it showed it showed against Cremonese that we were scratching our heads. Um, I don't know how bad it will be. There are a couple of new players like Antist and Laurente, probably I butchered his name, uh, who look promising. Pinamonti, on the other hand... Um, He's not looking great, um, and that's a bit worrying because he was the star signing of the of the summer, especially considering we've lost Raspadori and Skamaka in one transfer window, who scored more than half our goals last year. So I'd like to see Dionisi um, change the squad a bit. I'd like to see Alvarez play a bit more, um, especially because he wasn't uh, bought for uh, peanuts. He was, you know, bought from for thirty million. And he's only come on, you know, last five, ten minutes of a, of a of a football game. So I'd like to see him given a game to show his skills. Because in the in the preseason he was actually scoring a couple of goals. So um 
I feel like that should be at least given given some thought. Um, but yeah, overall, defensively, Sassuolo have improved. Uh, unfortunately, attacking-wise, they haven't, um, which has always been something that uh, Sassuolo like to boast, that they play really good, attractive attacking football. So it feels like they really focused on cleaning up the defense and they've kind of abandoned attack in a way. And I think that uh, one other key factor, and I'll end on this, who will be massive when he returns, Traore will be fundamental once he comes and if he comes back because he's still injured. And uh, I think he gives quite a big impact on the left-hand side of the game, on the left-hand side of the pitch, sorry, just as Berardi has that impact on the right. So... Things aren't great, but we have to also consider that there are quite uh, quite a few key injuries as well. However, I'd say, you know, I'd rate out of 10, as well, I have a 6 on 10 so far from my perspective. Interesting, interesting, interesting about Sassuolo. What do you make of Mintov's comments? So I do agree with Mintov that they have focused a lot on the def- defensive aspect of their game. Um, Dionisi highlighted at the beginning of the season that he wants to concede less goals and um, really tighten it up at the back. And I feel like they've done so from the from the fixtures so far. You know, you look at their results, they've conceded way less than they typically do. Yeah, um, It's just a shame that going forward, they, they're not quite the same anymore due to the departures, of course of um, Skamaka and Raspadori who had really got going over there. Mm-hmm. Um, the new arrivals of Pinamonti and Alvarez are of course going to need time. It's a shame that Pinamonti didn't hit the ground running um, as many people thought he would. Um, he's a local in Serie A, yeah. you know, you'd think that just a new a change of environment, boom, and it hit the ground running. But on his debut, he, he wrote down important points at a difficult stadium and they were playing at home. <laughs> So I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, he needs some time to adapt. Yeah. And I mean, they've been very unlucky in the sense that obviously we, we all expected that they would lose those two key pieces in, in Raspadori and Skamaka, mm-hmm. but they lost them. And then above and beyond that, they came into the season with Traore injured. And now their no, captain Berardi's and injured, best player, yes. Domenico Berardi, has picked up a devastating injury as well. So sure, Defending, um, they've improved significantly, like like you said, um, and like Mintoff said, they've conceded in the opening five games, f- five goals, and those came in two matches, one against Spezia and one against Juve, to be fair to them. Um, I love watching them, particularly when Lopez is on the pitch, yes. the way he moves the ball around and his movement is very unique and, and, and he's a he's a genius man he's a genius and coupled up with Matthias Henrique nowadays bro mm-hmm. Henrique is really good very similar to Maxime Lopez the way he plays yeah yeah, they bounce off each other well mm-hmm. those two man um, Sassuolo again started the season off quite slowly and it's probably through no fault of their own they're going through massive change it's good that they managed to keep their hands on Dionisi and they didn't make any rash decisions quickly Um I see them picking it up, particularly when those two wingers are back into the team and Pinamonti starts finding his feet a little bit more. And then that exactly completes what they're looking to complete at the end of the day because they've tackled the defense. Now, once they get their best men back in in the attacking region, then that's when they can take it to phase two and kind of start competing for that top 10 spot. Yeah, let's hope that um, Berardi's back soon. 
And that thrower is back soon too because towards the end of last season we, thought, we saw thrower doing some some top stuff. Magical over there. stuff. Yeah. 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 But thank you very much, Minto, for the voice note. Um we can move on thanks to your very capable hands. Um Verona in 13th. So they've got five points in 13th. They've won one game, they've drawn two, and they have lost two. Their first match of the season was a 5-2 home loss to Napoli. They gave them a few problems and they started off early by taking the lead through Kevin Lasagna. Then they conceded two goals. Then in the second half, they equalized through through Thomas Henry. I almost made the mistake. And then from the, <laughs> the 55th mistake. to the 79th, um, Zielinski, Lobotka and Politano just stole the show. Um, they then went away from home to Bologna and drew 1-1, which... For, by their standards, a disappointing yeah. result, but the performance was there. They attacked a lot. Um, they were unlucky, to be honest, to come up with a draw from this one. They then lost to Atalanta away from home, 1 0, thanks to, to a Coupe Miners goal. Empoli um, won Verona 1 right after that. Baldanzi with the goal and Calon with the goal for Verona. And then once again, a 2 1 victory at home against Sampdoria, thanks to an Odero own goal and a Doig goal. Boy. At the end of the first half. So I have to pronounce it, bro. They Boy. absolutely destroyed Sampdoria, though. They tore them apart. Um, yeah, the 2-1 the really doesn't do this game yeah. justice. Verona, bro. Verona. I mean... Worse than last season, huh? Worse than last season, for sure. For sure, for sure. And, and, and it's almost like if, if I had a graph and I had the last three seasons, it's constantly going downwards. Yeah, it yeah, is constantly moving yeah, downwards. Yeah. Um, They've lost massive key pieces to their team, mm-hmm. bro. They, every season lost, they lose more yeah, and more. Every and more. season they lose their we'll stuff. play a game. There. Uh-huh. I name one and then you name another and we keep going till we run out. Okay, you're going to win, but sure. Let's go Rahmani. Zakani. Um, <laughs> uh, DiMarco. Barak. Amrabat. Cholito. Oh, good one. Um, five, four. Hey, don't don't do this. <laughs> it's a podcast. They're there. They're there. It's our podcast. We decide. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Who is that there? Yeah, they're, they're there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the oh, goalkeeper. No, but basically, as yes, they've lost so many key pieces, bro. So many key pieces, and they are getting worse and worse and worse. Um, mm. Trophy right now looks like he's capable of keeping them afloat. Um, it doesn't take much to keep them afloat. There's still quite a bit of talent over there. Um, I like the signing of Thomas Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way he's being utilized as well. Um, and the fact that Juric is the alternative off the bench. You can also put in a shift yeah. over there. Um, very similar qualities to Henry, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I mean, you look at their starting 11 and you can tell off the bat that, that they've significantly fucking downgraded. Ilic, Veloso, Lazovic in the middle with Doig out wide and Terracciano out wide as well. Henri and Lasagna up front. Um, their back three is just constantly terrible. Veron, I mean, then this in, in their most recent match where they beat Sampdoria, they had Davidovic, Hien and Coppola. I mm. mean, is that enough at the end of the day to be competing in Serie A. And then they have the likes of Gunter, I guess. Um, is is Faraoni injured? He must be I injured. I think so, because he hasn't featured. Mm-hmm. 
he must be injured. Um, Tamez probably as well would be would be injured because he he would make that that starting eleven over the likes of Miguel Veloso. Tamez has been playing. He, he maybe he came on this. Well, he, no, he didn't play this match. No, he came on in the seventy third. He came on the seventy third. Uh, should really be starting. Wow. Okay. It depends. There's always rotation, right? Especially so early on in the season. Yeah. I think, like you said, they they have enough to to stay afloat. But the thing is, I'm looking at future seasons and seeing, are they going to continue dipping? Because if they are in the next two seasons, they're down. No, uh, you're right. That's a very fair point. Trajectory-wise, it's not looking promising for them in the long run. Um, something needs to happen. There needs to be some kind of um, ambition shown in the transfer market. I mentioned this every single episode. Juric left because of no ambi- ambition over there mm-hmm. in the transfer market. Um, it seems to be the case again. Now there's Chofi there. We'll see how long Chofi lasts. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they have some talent over there that can be snapped up as El Montepo, Faroni, Henri, Illich. You know, these are all guys that can do bits elsewhere. So it would be a shame, really, to see them continue to decline. Yeah. Hashtag save Verona. Hashtag save Verona. Maybe they can split themselves in half and, and, and team up with Kiev or Verona. And just Kiev or Verona apparently are back and they're all the way something. down to like the, they're in the amateur leagues for now working their way up. I heard something. Yeah, the flying something. donkeys. Yeah, flying again. Spezia. Spezia, Spezia, Spezia. Is it yours or mine? Though? It's, yours, it's yours. It's yours. Apologies. It's yours. Why did you say it like that? Because you said... I told, I told you it's yours and you told me it's yours ah apologies you wouldn't say it's mine alright dog <laughs> <laughs> next up Spezia one win two draws two losses for them so they started the season off with a victory over Empoli very much against the run of play but they managed to get that 1-0 victory to run in Zola goal they then went on to lose 3-0 at the hands of Inter Milan. Um, they got a draw against Sassuolo at home. It was quite a shootout over there, two goals to two. They then lost 2-0 to Juventus after Vlaovic and Milik scored. Um, and Marley's licking my foot. Um, and then they drew 2-2 against Bologna, where Arnautovic got a doppietta and Bastoni's goal alongside Jeremy Schouten's own goal was enough to seal the draw. That's what got Milov sacked. The, ah, this 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 two two. Because there you they go. went winless in their first five. Jesus! No wait, winless in their. They won their first match of the season against Empoli. Oh, did they? Yes. How much was that? Remind me. One nil against okay. the run of play. Okay. Ah, but then yes, after that, course. they they failed. They failed to get points. Now let, yeah. let's let's go. Yes. No, I was going to go straight to Mihailovic, but we'll do that when we're at Bologna. Yes, yes, yes. Spezia, I mean, downgraded from last year, I would say. However, they haven't had the easiest of starts at all. Downgraded? Why do you think they downgraded? They're not as good as they were last year, in my opinion, from what I've seen. They've been weaker than they were last year. And I think it's it's fair enough that Thiago Motta's Spezia were a trickier side to face than this Spezia. But they're racking up some decent points, huh? I mean... They, they, I mean, they got five points. It's a team that barely ever gets points. A draw against Bologna that are struggling. Um, a point against Sassuolo that are struggling. And three points against Empoli against round of play. That's a six-pointer. 
And yes, yeah, Spezia were never the team that that looked good there, but they were always very yeah. good at at getting, getting these three points here and there to keep them afloat. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, they survived for three seasons in a row. Um, it's difficult to to relegate them this year to actually say that they're going to get relegated. I think joining the Spezia and the Salernitana conversation, there's Zempoli as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be a candidate for relegation. Um, Spezia right now, they have something. They they have um, experience, right? They know how to suffer and they know how to get yeah. something out of the suffering. Um, we'll see what they can do. Personally, 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 I think they don't quite have what it takes for me to say they survive. Spezia? Yes, because... Ah, it, it's difficult to say. I, I, it's I don't difficult to think... say because they can't get the points, man. I know. Yes, what you because mean. because in in the stretch overall, a season's very long, mm-hmm. and you look at the guys that came up, for example, Lechia and Cremonese. So let's assume that Lechia and Cremonese are going back down, mm. and there's Monza. Monza look terrible right now, but a team with the with those players, I can't see them. To be honest with you, getting relegated. Mm. Like you know, like, like their team, we, we've talked about it a million times. We've gone through the players a million times. I can't see them getting relegated. There's more team. There's more talent on Monza than there is on Spezia. You For sure. I mean? So I guess if they manage to make it four seasons in a row without getting relegated, I'd be super impressed by Spezia. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, you you look at their squad and they're definitely on paper one of the weakest squads in the league. Mm-hmm. For sure, Kovalenko, Burabia. Bastoni, Reca, Holm, Nzola, Giasi, Christoph, Kiwior, Nikolaou, Jagowski. I mean, it's nothing to write home about at all. However, like we said, th- these guys are very used to each other and they're used to playing together. They've been through it all. They've been under the Italiano system. They've been under the Motta system. Um, and again, they're capable of oddly getting a point. Like they yeah. got three points against Empoli. And they didn't exactly deserve it. Um, they managed to get points out of Sassuolo. They managed to get points out of Bologna. And will we see Cremonese do this? Will we see Lecce do this? Will we see Monza do this? Will we see Empoli do this? That's where I start thinking maybe Spezia do have what it takes to stay up. But they mm-hmm. they are 100% nothing more than relegation candidates. Exactly. Every season. And it's like they, they don't do anything to help themselves either. You look at the team, it's the same every year. There's a random addition here and there. Mm. Um, but it's never a particularly impressive one. I like that they have Gotti now. I, I read Gotti as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that out of all the players he chose to bring along Ekdal with him already got a red card this season <laughs> so yeah that was interesting and there's Daniel Maldini over there as well fun fact yeah yeah hasn't featured that much yet at all at all, no. at all I don't think he's played a single game mm-hmm. so that's and the Coppa Italia he played and he scored but that's it aha uh-huh, aha uh-huh. so that's Spezia for you next up dude let's move on to Empoli Empoli currently sit in 15th and they've got four points. Their first game of the season was against Spezia where they lost 1-0 away from home. They then took on Fiorentina at home. This is when they got the red card in the 66th minute, but they managed to hang on. Nil-nil. They then took on Lecce away from home. They came 1-1 over there. They then took on Verona at home. They came 1-1 over there. They then went away to Salernitana where they came 2-2. So it's four draws 
and one loss for Empoli, who have some very interesting pieces. I was speaking to our friend and listener, um, Matthias, on Instagram, and um, he decided, well, I asked him to send us a voice note, actually, of his take on Empoli this season. He follows them very closely. He's a Roma fan, actually, but he follows Empoli quite closely, and he clearly knows what he's saying, so just hear him out. Hello, Matt, and hello, Jake. Some points about uh, Empoli's start to the season. Uh, it has been disappointing, but interesting. It's been disappointing in the sense that Empoli has had problems winning games. They have lost one and then drawn four games. So they are undefeated for four games, but they are only have four points after five games. And that's a problem for Empoli because they will need uh, more more points to stay out of the the, the relegation barrel. Uh, some problems which I found that Zanetti had last year with his old team, Venezia, have carried over to his spell at Empoli. Uh, they play good. They have a fluid midfield. They have a, a way of, of incorporating a lot of good, talented uh, players, especially midfielders into the team, they lack a bit of a killer instinct. They have problems winning the games and and sort of locking up uh, the wins. The defense is a bit better than what Sinetti had at Venezia. I think that Luperto and Ilicani are, are better central defenders, but they have made some mistakes. The goals that they let in against the Salernitana last games uh, were a bit problematic. They can be a bit passive at times. And offensively, they rely on on a very good sort of uh, midfield game to to, uh, win possession and create chances. And the amount of chances they have created is is not good enough. They have had problems creating good quality chances, but they have good offensive players who can uh, make the most of what they actually achieve uh, offensively. I think especially good have uh, Sam Lammers been, who's been very, who's been shown a little bit of that killer instinct, actually trying to to score with every chance he gets. And I think he's going to be very important in, in their attempts to uh, actually create offense over the coming season. Uh, Satriano and Desto are good offensive players, but they are more those types of players who finishes the already created chances rather than create them themselves. But the very interesting part of Empoli uh, and their squad is the amount of good quality young Italian players they produce. We have already seen them sell Samuel Ricci in the January transfer window and this summer they also sold Christian Slani and Mattia Vitti. They have Parisi, their left back, who's one of their best players. And they have a generation of good young players who uh, were integral in in uh, winning the Primavera Championship a couple of seasons ago. Most importantly, I would say Tommaso Baldanzi, who played for Italy in the under-19 this summer and who's been getting a couple of starts and a goal before he was injured. And he has some of that um, attackive directness, which I think is going to be crucial for Sanetti's Empoli. He looks a little bit like Aramu did in Venezia last year, 
with uh, his possibility of playing as a type of trequartista and actually uh, creating and finishing chances. And on the bench, they have had a Kong uh, and a Swedish attacker who were with them when they won the Premier Championship, as well as Jacobo Fassini, another uh, central, central, uh, good central midfielder. So they they are very interesting to continuously watch, even if I think that they are going to have a little bit of troubles this season. Uh, they have five kind of tough fixtures coming up. Oh, home against Roma, home against Milan. They have away games at Bologna and Torino. Those types of away games, which uh, requires a lot of physicality from the midfield. And I'm doubtful that Empoli can, can, uh, can find that. Uh, and then in match day 10, they face Monza at home. And we don't know which state Monza will be in at that point, but it's looking like that, that we at most will see Empoli with one, perhaps two wins after 10 games. And that's obviously tough. Uh, they should have been able to win against Lecce or, or uh, Spezia earlier in this season. But it's always interesting to see their young players. And I think that watching Empoli is always a good litmus test, litmus test because they play quite differently from uh, the, the traditional Serie A teams. So it's a good way of, of looking uh, for teams like, if you want to look at Hellas, for instance, you, and it's kind of uninteresting to see Hellas play Udinese because it's two teams who play three at the back. But Empoli play four at the back and they try to play a bit more fluidly. So you get this clash of styles, which is always very interesting to watch. So I always recommend watching Empoli for that and for their young players. And hopefully Baldanzi can get back from, get back from his injury and he can perhaps have a breakout season this year. Thank you for the good podcast, for the great podcast and talk to you soon. Bye. Absolutely spot on there by Matthias. I particularly like the parallels he drew, or he has drawn rather, to um, Venezia, yeah. to Zanetti's Venezia, um, comparing as well um, Baldanzi's role to Aramu um, back there. They they look good like Venezia looked good, but they struggle to win games like Venezia struggled to win games. Yep. At the end of the day, I mean, you look at why Genoa, were relegated last year as well. And it's because in for the first around 25 matches of the season, they had only won one game. Yeah. And if Empoli aren't careful, then they can very much fall in the same trap. It's as simple as that. You could play good football, man. And Empoli do play good football. You could do that all you like. Um, if you don't get the three points, then you're going to be battling relegation. So that's what I fear for Empoli. It sucks because like Matthias was saying, they are a very entertaining side to watch. They're a little bit different to the way other teams operate. Mm -hmm. he, he compared them to, for example, a lot of the bottom tier teams playing three at the back. They settle with, mm -hmm. a, with a four at the back. That makes them quite different. Um, they have a very good midfield and then they have an explosive striker like Destra up front. Um, yeah. But they can't seem to get the ball to him. And yeah. when it does go to him, he'd still have a little bit too much work to do. 
so there's there's some ironing out to do over there. There is, there is, but certainly an interesting side, especially with the young strikers they have with Satriano and Lammers to fill in the boots of Destro when he isn't um, quite at the races. Yeah, and I love Parisi, by the way. Yeah, he's right. He's their best player. Yeah, Parisi, Parisi is great. Parisi is great. And and you like him on your Fanta Calcio a lot. Oh, right? I no. love him on my Fanta Calcio, <laughs> brother. <laughs> Shall, Shall we? Yes. Yeah. Bologna. How long have we been rolling? Been rolling for two hours twenty. Holy fucking shit! Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's go. Let's it's go. Good content though. Um. So the next team we're going to be covering is Bologna. So they started the season off losing two one against Lazio at the Olimpico. They then went to Verona. And well, in Bologna, but they played against Hellas Verona at home and they came 1-1 thanks to goals from Anatovic and Thomas Henry. Um, they travelled to Milan to face the champions and they lost 2-0 uh, thanks to goals from Leao and Giroud. Very straightforward victory there. They were then held at home by Salernitana. Arnautovic scored a penalty and Dia equalised. And then that 2-2 draw with Spezia that we've mentioned already. Mm. Um, two goals by Arnautovic, a goal by Bastoni and an own goal by Schouten. That is what led Bologna to sack Sinisa Mihailovic five days in. What do you yes. make of that decision? So this is uh, regular listeners to the podcast know that we were, we've kind of expected this for a while we um, suggested it a while yeah, ago it should, have, it should have come last season but of course due to the complications of with Mihailovic's health um, they kept him on board Saputo I believe um, gave Mihailovic the opportunity to terminate his contract he did not take that opportunity so he was forced to sack him um, going winless in your first five with the team that Bologna have facing teams like Spezia Salernitana Verona you have to get a point against those guys, you know, like you have to get a win, you have to beat one of them. Like, yeah. um, Arnautovic has been their saving grace. He's scored three yeah. goals for them already this season. He looks on form, he looks inspired, he looks amazing, to be honest with you. Three goals, more than three goals, I think. Four goals, five goals, five goals this season. He has already oh. Arnautovic, two against Spezia, one against Salernitana, one against Verona and one against Lazio. Yes, he's got Jesus. five goals already this season. He's on fire. He's been on absolute fire. Um, but that doesn't stop the problems. They have discipline problems as well. They already have two red cards this season. They um, they make mistakes, man. The, the play sometimes looks good. Like they score some really nice team goals as well, but it's just... Gary Medel whooping out the assists yeah. nowadays, yeah. Huh, by the way. It's, it's become so stale with Mihailovic and I look forward to seeing who they... Employ. Hopefully it's not Thiago Motta. <laughs> Agreed. Um, I find it a bit odd that they made the decision five matches into the season because what they've done now, unless they bring in someone that hits the ground running instantly, which is a rarity for managers, particularly for a side like Bologna, is they have fucked their season. They have fucked a large chunk of their season yeah. because they didn't get significant points in their opening five matches. And um, now they need to go through the process of changing manager, changing system, getting players used to the system, adapting, so on and so forth. And then suddenly you're match day 12 and you're, you need to get points. You're in that yes. position where you're like, okay, guys, now we need to turn up the heat. They should have given someone a preseason, right? With this they squad. should have given someone a preseason. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And, and, and you know what worries me, man? The fact that they've held on to Sinisa for so long and they gave him the sack after 
the five opening match days. Could it be there's something we don't know about Sinisa's health taking a turn for the worse and that's why they have parted ways? Maybe there's something like that going on. I, mean, I certainly there, hope that's not the case. There could be. I think it's more a results-based thing, though. Yeah, but after it's a five matches and after they kept five. for a last season and a half. Maybe they said, let's see, let's see what you can do this season. We'll give you a go. Boom, five games. And to be fair, Bologna did pick up towards the end of last season. They yeah. were great towards the end of last season. But that's because his condition worse. <laughs> Again, it's always the same thing with these guys. They... They play for their manager, depending on his on his health. Um, as horrible as it is to say, at least yeah. looking looking at it positively now, um, they will have a new manager. Um, I don't know who the new manager is going to be. I don't. It's think... rumored to be Motta. My God, um, at least they'll have a more concrete system in place and, and hopefully a more modern way of playing football as well, because it was. Kind of torture watching Bologna play over over the past couple of years, but a turn for the better, hopefully for them, and we wish the best to Sinisa. And I, I hope next season he'll be managing another club in Serie A because he definitely has it in him, man. Um, so to, to be honest, I don't want to say too much about Bologna because it's all about how they will Recover. adapt yeah. under under new management. They definitely have it in them to win games. They're by no means a relegation battling team. Um, so it's all about getting those points now and, and, and shifting the momentum a little bit. Lecce, up next, have played five games, have got two points, um, two draws and three losses. Okay, the first game was against Inter at home. They almost equalized that game, but lost at the end thanks to a Dumfries 95th minute winner. Um, they then went to the Mape Stadium to take on Sassuolo, where they lost 1-0 thanks to the Berardi wonder goal. They drew 1-1 to Empoli at home. Thanks to a Strefezza goal over there. They drew to Napoli away from home thanks to a Colombo wonder goal, the one we covered in our intro. Um, after he missed the penalty. So Colombo, that game, scored the penalty, was asked to retake it because the referee hadn't whistled, missed it, and then scored a worldie. Yeah, and then they lost to Torino 1-0. So this is a side that's very difficult to beat, bro. They've only mm -hmm. lost so far by one goal margins. Yeah, um, that was against Inter, Sassuolo, and Torino. Yeah, exactly. And they've held Napoli, they've held Empoli. I mean, held Empoli. <laughs> but yeah. Respect. Um, they look like a decent side that's come up very well organized, well structured. They have some, again, nice pieces over there like Strefezza. I'm a big fan of Strefezza. Mm -hmm. Do a lot of work. The Brazilian um, Even Cisse and Colombo are interesting choices up front. They have a very nice team. And it's going to be fun watching them play as well this season. What do you think about them? I agree, man. Initially, I had them in last, um, which I mean, could still very much be the case, but mm -hmm. they, they're they an exciting side to watch. Lecce. It feels like they, they, they kind of have that Empoli feel to them from last season, whereby mm -hmm. they come into a game and they play. Yeah, they play against you. No matter they, they, will, they, they attack against Inter. You know what I mean? They mm -hmm. really brought the game against Inter. They didn't give them that... that um, low defensive line, blah blah blah. Well, they did when when they ended up playing with a with a right back and a central midfielder as their two defenders. That's when they mm -hmm. started stacking back a little bit. Um, now they've got big Sam Umtiti. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they move the ball forward, man. Like you said, they have nice pieces up front with with Cisse and and Colombo. They both still have a lot to prove. 
Um, Di Francesco has a nice piece as well. Matt mm-hmm. Hulmand in the middle, like white, like Gallo. Petzella out wide, is all right. Petzella. Um, Falcon, obviously the goalkeeper. I had him in like fifth or something. <laughs> um, he's a, he's a, he's, wow. A fantastic goalkeeper. Um, Lecce, if they pick it up, I do see them capable of survival. Lecce. Yeah, um, they, they is it likely no. have what it takes, but they need, they would need a disaster from one of the teams above them. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the type of season they would they would need to survive. They'd need like Spezia to just never win, exactly. or they'd need Genoa from last year and they survive. You know what I mean? Genoa and Cagliari from last season and they survive. Exactly, with a hint of Parma from the season mm-hmm. before. But let's see. I mean, if they improve, it's going to be very good. You know what I mean? Um, they've already. Got a solid foundation over there. Yeah. So we'll see how they develop as the season progresses. There's no reason for them to not be confident right now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'd be confident after that first encounter with Inter, man, to be fair. Yeah. He lose with the last kick of the game and you have Simone in Zaga celebrating the way that exactly. he did. My God, he was sweating profusely. <laughs> he always is. Um, next up, we're going to be covering Sampdoria. So Samp... Started off the season losing at home against Atalanta, two goals to Nil Toloi and Lukman. And they then held Juventus at home, which was crazy, um, considering Sampdoria. Um, in the next match, they lost 4 0 at the hands of Salernitana, thanks to goals by Diabonazzoli, Villena, and Botheim. Um, draw 1 1 to Lazio the following week at home, goals by Ciro, Mobile, and Gabbiadini, getting a nice little return over there. And most recently, they lost 2 1 um, against Verona away from home, goals by Caputo for themselves, but an Audero on goal and a Drig goal was enough to sink the ship. Is. Sampdoria, right? Yes. Sampdoria. They have been shit. I don't know. This Not not this year, but kind of ah, overall ah, ah, in yes. the past year and a half to two years, they've been shit. Sampdoria. They were shit last year as well. I think Sampdoria were at their best recently. So let's exclude Gianpaolo's 4-3-1-2 Sampdoria from back in the day that got them to move to Milan a few mm. years ago. That was the best Sampdoria team in a while. Yeah. Um, after that, I think the best Sampdoria was the one with Keita Balde, no? the, the mobile mm. Sampdoria. Um, nowadays, you look, at, you look at this team, they have Caputo up front isolated, or they have fucking Qualiarella up front isolated. And or Gabbiadini up front isolated. Those are three players in their 30s who can't move, quite frankly. So <laughs> there's a lot of, there, there are many problems with this team when it comes to getting the ball to the striker. You know, they have yeah. Sabiri in the middle who I feel like a lot of the work he does is often wasted because, yeah. <laughs> because of the fact that the striker can't reach the ball. Yeah. You know, so that's the most frustrating thing about Sampdoria, in my opinion, the lack of mobility up front. Sampdoria, 100%. We're capable of relegation last year and they're capable of relegation this year as well. They, I still think they're too good to go down. Oh, come on. Like, I'm looking at their starting 11 right now and Jesus Christ, man. Like, they're not the team that, that they used to be. I mean, you look at their squad, Audero, Berezinski, Ferrari, Colli, Augello. That's decent. That's all right. This is where it goes to shit. Rincon, Vieira, Verre, Sabiri, Quagliarella, Caputo. That's not good enough. 
They need another offensive piece, eh? One with a bit of flavor. Even in the midfield, man, Rincon Vieira Vera doesn't doesn't sit well with me. I think Ronaldo Vieira had a, had a few decent games. Mm, perhaps, or one decent game, perhaps. to be honest. No, with nothing you. spectacular. Eh? Maybe yeah. I don't watch enough of them. They've also brought um, Gonzalo Villar in from Roma, who hasn't looked mm. great. And Juri Chicho has uh-huh. been a bit rusty. Juri Chicho is well. very moody. To shake off the rust. Uh-huh. And uh, Harry Winks. <laughs> Harry Winks, eh? Harry Winks, bro. How fucking funny, Winks. Winks. Harry Wanks. <laughs> Harry Wanks. Um, excellent. So, Samp, where do you see them kind of fitting Just outside in? the relegation pool. Just outside relegation. Yeah. We talking 16th, 15th? 15th. Yes, 15th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their upcoming games now. Um, um, 17th, 16th. I think okay. 16th is the highest okay. that they cool. can go to. Um, Sub's next match is against Milan. Then they, they then take on Spezia away. And then Monza at home. Out of that... They need to get three points from somewhere. Yes. So least. they lose to Milan. They have to beat Monza, right? They have to either beat Monza, maybe draw to Spezia, or, or beat Spezia. Um, yeah. These fixtures are what say the most about sides like Sampdoria, because at the end of the day, you're better than the teams you beat. True. And you're going to be above the teams you beat. So they need to make quick work of these teams. They need to do what it takes to get three points. And... That'll give them the momentum to keep building off that and, and it will break the momentum of the opposing team. So it's solely about getting results now for Sampdoria, man. Yes, sir. Shall we move on to Cremonese? Yes, sir. Cremonese have one point thanks to one draw. They also have four losses. They seem to be a team that um, can give you a bit of a headache again, but not to the extent that Lecce can, not to the extent that many other teams in Serie A can, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, let's get to it. They lost 3-2 to Fiorentina on the opening day. Granted, the opening day, just want to get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. They did very well, though, Cremonese, scoring two goals away to Fiorentina. Then they lost and one. And they year. lost because of the, the Radu blunder. Yes, that's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> Mandragora goal. Um, Roma, 1-0. Loss away from home again. Then they lost to Torino at home. Again, three very difficult games to start off with Fiorentina, Roma, Torino. Yeah. And then they had Inter <laughs> right after Madonna. that, where they lost 3 1. Um, then they had Sassuolo, where they got their first point. They drew 0 0. Um, Sassuolo were better than them during the game, but they managed to hang in there and get a goal. Probably fortunate that many of their attacking threats were not present. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have a bit of an easier run where we can gauge and get to know them a bit better. Hey, I don't want to say shit about hey. Cremonese right now. It's so unfair. I mean, they've scored goals against good teams. Exactly. Because they've also conceded, right? Um, I don't know. And even Fiorentina, when they played Fiorentina in the opening match, in the 43rd minute, Cremonese got a red card. Escalante. Yes. Difficult to really tell, man, what they can do. And and it it, it would be like I'm leaning more towards praising them slightly for really bringing it against big teams, for Okereke scoring against Inter, for Ser Nicola scoring against Torino. Ser Nicola. Ser Nicola um, of Assisi. For, 
for okay, they can't be on scoring against Fiorentina. They've been showing us that it, it, there simply isn't an easy game this year. And Cremonese are no exception to that. Yeah. But then again, like we said, we need to see them have a bit of a, an easier run in. Um, because that's, oh my God, they have Atalanta next. <laughs> the, bro, they have Atalanta next and then Lazio. And then they have, and then they have Lecce, Lecce relax, Napoli, Napoli right after. Holy fuck, what a baptism of fire. But then they can get a few points on the stretch here. Because then they have Spezia, they have Sampdoria. Udinese might still be gods by then. Then mm-hmm. Salernitana, they can get a few points there maybe. That, that's really mm-hmm. the telling point of the season. Milan so and Poli Juve. Yeah, so when they're on a high, they'll play against Milan. But anyway. <laughs> um, Monza, the final team, bro. Let's end this three-day episode. <laughs> it's currently, guys, half past four in the morning. For those of you who, who have made it this far. Right, so Monza. They started off the season losing 2-1 at home to Torino. Um, they then lost 4-0 away against Napoli. They then lost at home 2-1 to Udinese. Goes by Beto, Dodgi and Colpani. Um, they lost 3-0 against Roma. Two goes by Eban- two, sorry, two goes by Dybala and one goal by Ebanez. They then lost 2-0 at home against Atalanta. An own goal by Santos and a goal by Hoyland. I mean, their fixtures have been quite tough as well. I mean, Torino, Napoli... Udinese, Roma, Atalanta is as tough as the run-in that Cremonese had, in all yeah. fairness. And above and beyond that, new management, a bunch of new players. Um, Monza have the same manager. The same manager? Yeah, Apologies, my no, mistake. Ah, Stroppa's the guy that got them promoted. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but Berlusconi has been shitting on him in public. Yes. Yes, saying that... Um, He's not doing a great job, basically. <laughs> Berlusconi talks so much. I would hate to work for him. Uh, Berlusconi... Unless I was a big-titted stripper, then I'd love it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Berlusconi is a character. There's, there's a weird element of respect because of what he did at Milan, but then there's like everything else ever in the world yeah. that makes me despise him a little bit. Um, but we won't get into politics, politics really. Yeah. Now Monza have Lecce, that is a little bit easier. They have Juve, that's a little bit easier. <laughs> um, then they have Samp, Spezia, Empoli. So hopefully we could see them start doing something. At least like, you know, you have all those players. I'm I'm dying to see Caprari cut in and shoot and, and Monza are bins. going to at one point tear it up, bro. They're gonna it's gonna gel for them eventually. When are they like because they're finishing twelfth like it has to for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Caprari man. Like look at their team, honestly. You can't tell me this team gets relegated again. I mean, we say the same thing about... Um, Cagliari, Genoa yes, as true. well. It's true. But these guys come from actually like solid teams. Like, you know what I mean? They have Petania who came from Napoli. They have Sensi who came from Inter. Pessina who came from Atalanta. Rannocchia who came from Inter. Granted, he's not great. Um, <laughs> you know, good, good players, man. So I, I do think that eventually they'll gel. Maybe they'll change their coach and they'll have a bit of a spell, but it doesn't take much to survive. You just need to win a couple of games. Were they clever signings, though? The, the, I think they were clever because the they second, were mostly domestic. The second, that's true. The second I thought that it wasn't that clever is when they onboarded Petania. Because I'm like, Petania 
like Grima had brought up very well, is the kind of player that needs a system to be built around him for him to work in a completely new system where you need to get used to your teammates and you need to build something with them. Is a static structure like Petania the ideal striker to bring in? Or would it be someone a bit more mobile that can link up? But they up brought in Caprari as well, bro. And Caprari is that mobile attacking threat that can set Aha, up but goals he's the as winger, well. Eh? They're technically the perfect partner for Petania on paper. And they have Pessina behind him as well. So it's not like they're extremely but mobile But what all they're going to do is, is, is give the ball to Caprari who crosses it to Petania who finishes. It makes them very... Predictable I mean, that's the only thing Ronaldo to the Capo Canonier is by doing that, literally. In a 4-3-1-2. A 4-3-1-2, literally, with fast players around him. And that's it. Just a system that was built around literally feeding him. Qualierla, now granted, Qualierla's offensive prowess and his instinct is much better than Petania's. But Petania has the physicality to make up for it. The ability to outmuscle most defenders in the league. So in reality, you know, you put him in the correct position and you play this guy, you play the ball on this guy's head, he might do something. And you have a few good players to do mm, so. Man, he might go, if it's, oh, 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 yeah. if it's not one of the new ones, you can get Birindelli to cross the ball. Birindelli looks really good, for example. Milan with Patrick Cotrone. Always Suso cross to Cotrone, Cotrone header. Yeah, yeah. They have more yeah. to as in, not more than that, Milan, obviously, but uh, for a team that's, um, I don't know, I, I, I see that there are many options for them going forward. No, I mean, they they have them. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it, they have them. They, can they, can they, utilize, can they them? utilize them? And this Petania, the right guy to build an entire new system around? I don't know, I guess time will tell. It yeah. is still very early. It's five match days in, it's been fucking crazy so far incredibly mental some might even say um and hopefully you guys thought this episode was mental albeit it was very long we're pushing two hours 40 minutes now but everything you need to know about the first five matches of the season and about the teams and the table so on so forth remember to follow us on instagram tiktok twitter so on so forth we're everywhere give us a listen give us a rating and give us a kiss thank you very much you guys